Yo, we are live, baby. We are back. Real talk, Rajan, toxic or nah is Bizak. We are here. My panelists are backstage. We are ready to have a great discussion. Um, but before we even get started, what I need you to do is go ahead and send this out to your people. Let them know that Real Talk Rajan is about to be live, man. It's about to go down. Um, we're about to have these discussions. The panels are here. The thoughts are here. The minds are here. Um, this is an opportunity to hear black men talk about these issues. Um, for those who don't know, and I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna, you know, preface it again, you know, once we get started. But the whole premise of this show is the fact that we want black men to have a, a, a safe space to be to use their voices um, about topics that we normally don't get an opportunity to talk about. The key one being toxic masculinity. Um, we, we do not talk about it. Um, this conversation has been owned by everybody except for us. And normally they're talking about us. So I'm a big believer of, of if you're going to talk about me, then I should be a part of the conversation for Shiggity. So we're sharing this out. Please share, share, share. We're going to get started very briefly. Um, I just want to go ahead and get the people in the room because I we love, you know, we love having the opportunity to share our thoughts with you guys. Thank you everybody who's joining us tonight. Um, I am your host, Rajon Lewis. If this, if this is your first time hearing this, as I'll say, this is something so cold, something so cold. I have my my panelists are in the back. I'm excited about our panelists. We actually have all new panelists from last month. Um, we'll see some recurring ones later, but uh, this first panel, except for Andrew, um, our, our first panel was not on the show last month. So this is this going to be fun. This is their first, first time at the rodeo, but not talking to people because they're all professionals in their own right. But um, I'm really excited about tonight's show. Please share, share, share. Oh, I need to share. I haven't even shared it yet. I am slacking on my Mac. My bad. Um, da, 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 da. Let me see. Let me see. We all at? We all at? We all at? We are live. Toxic or not is live. Join us now. Join us. All right. We are, oh, no, not the question mark. We are live. Panel number one is in the building. We are ready for it. We are here for it. We have an illustrious panel. An illustrious panel. Fine young gentlemen from all over the world, as you will see. Um, just people doing great things, man. People doing great things. And like I said, black men have something to say. And it's time that we we realize that and we acknowledge that. And we had a, a true appreciation for it. So I'm excited. So my computer's trying to do too much right now. But that's all right. We'll get this together. Hopefully y'all can see me and hear me. Hopefully y'all can see me and hear me. Joining us in all right. Um, I see me right there. All right. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. My computer's frozen, so I'm not going to do anything until my computer stops freezing. That gives y'all time to share. Share, 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 share. Because once we get rolling, once we get rolling, it's on. Once we get rolling, it's on. All right. I can see me again. All right. Let's do this. Am I on the right Wi-Fi? You are not on the right Wi-Fi. Oh, no. All right. So if something happens and I drop out, I'll be right back.
All right, can y'all hear me? Y'all ready to go? Y'all ready? All right, let's do it. Cue my music. And let's get started. Yo, 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 yo. Mic check. One, two, one, two. We are back, baby. Hello, world, and welcome back to Real Talk with Rajan, where nothing's off limits. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you are here with me, and I appreciate that. I am your host, Rajan Lewis. Now, here on Real Talk with Rajan, everything's debatable, so on any given week, we could be discussing anything from sports to music to politics. You name it, we'll discuss it. Again, I am your host, Rajan Lewis. Now, this show here is something special that we call Toxic or Nah. Toxic or Nah. Why do a show called Toxic or Nah? Because too often... We are talking, we have conversations about things that pertain to black men, that deal with black men, but we do not involve black men in the discussion. So I wanted to put together a safe space where black men could come together and talk about these issues. And tonight we have a very special set of, of panelists. We're gonna have three different panelists to talk about six topics. That's three panelists, talk three different panels to talk about six topics, and we should have up to about 14 men if everybody shows up tonight. So I'm excited, excited, excited. Thank you all for joining me. Please share this out if you haven't already. And go ahead and shout out to my sponsors. Shout out to science2c.com. If you have custom care needs, you need t-shirts, you need, uh, we had graduation, you need graduation signs, you, have, you need whatever you need. Go to science2c.com. That's www.science2c.com. Use this month's promo code, Real Talk Rate, Real Talk 2020. Real Talk 2020, and you'll get 10% off your order. With that, without further ado, let's get it in. My first set of panelists are in the building. Gentlemen, starting with uh, Mike, please introduce yourself to the audience. What's up, y'all? man, Mike Better. Hey, what's up, everybody? Oh, oh it's two mics. Two mics. <laughs> All right, sorry, Mike Wilson. <laughs> hey, what's up, everybody? Mike Wilson from Baltimore, currently in Tucson. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in. Word. All right. So Mike Better. Hey, man. Um, also for Baltimore City, currently in Ladson, South Carolina. <laughs> yeah. All right. And we are Rob. Uh, Robin, from uh, Queens, New York, living in Charleston, uh, educator and small business owner. An all around great guy at that. All these gentlemen, all these, all of these gentlemen are are phenomenal people. Um, I've known them. I've known of them. I haven't met Michael yet, but we're gonna meet soon. And uh, I've 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 heard of him. I've heard him. I've heard of him. So I'm really excited about this discussion tonight. So we have some pretty um good topics to go into. This segment actually isn't supposed to start until seven ten seven ten. So I'm gonna start with a softball. I want to start with a softball. Just you know, with Father's Day coming up tomorrow, um, I didn't have this as a topic. But I, I wanted to, to, first of all, give you an opportunity to, to, if you are fathers, by the way, I didn't even check. I know Rob's a father. Mike, are you a father? M Mike's? Mike are you is fathers? a father, yes. Mike's, yeah. Mike. So, yeah. all right, cool. So, Father's Day. What, is, what, is, what, what, are, you, what are your thoughts on Father's Day gifts? <laughs> ah, see? You didn't see oh. that coming, did you? Yes. Oh. <laughs> we going in already. Hey. Go ahead. Hey. Hey, real talk, I just feel like you got to know the person you're dealing with. So okay. I don't think there's a real template to follow because, you know, we all different, you know, so. <laughs> all right, all right. For, for me, it, it has to be something surrounding technology. I mean, to be quite honest, like speaking from uh, a masculine perspective, hardware, cars, clothes, technology, anything around those topics, case of beer <laughs> you're good to go <laughs> right 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 okay all right. for me yeah. 
for me, it's kind of, I'm, I'm a hard person to shop for because if I want it, I probably already got it. So a great gift for me is that my kids are doing well. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that a great, that's, that sounds awesome. Now, if you got somebody, kids doing awesome for Mother's Day, you probably wouldn't get away with that. So let's talk about, let's really get <laughs> into it. What's the difference between, have you noticed the difference between Father's Day gifts and Mother's Day gifts? Of course. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Let's, let's speak on it, King. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go ahead, like Rob. A, what, what, what you bride, know, Rob? The bride gift or the groom's gift is, I mean, it's totally different. It's, uh, <laughs> It's different worlds, you know. Wedding is for the bride, you know. Holidays, Mother's Day, Father's Day is for it's for moms. Yeah. All right, all right, yeah. all right. Now my wife actually gives really good Father's Day gifts, so shout out to my wife. I gotta go ahead and put that out there. <laughs> but yeah, but, mine too. Yeah, I'm trying see? to get brownie points. <laughs> nice, I mean, nice. Go ahead and throw that one out there. Yeah, my wife gives me great gifts every day. <laughs> this guy here, this guy's good. You I told you, this yes, she you is. She's good people. But again, you know, we got genuinely good wives. So I guess we're blessed in that way. But I do, I, I will tell you that I've noticed that when you walk through stores, you know, on around Mother's Day, they get really creative with the stuff yeah. that they have for Mother's Day. Yeah. They deck the whole store out with stuff. Yeah. Father's Day, they got like a rack with, with like, <laughs> you get a grill. Yeah, they got like a corner with a grill in it. <laughs> grill? <laughs> and like, you know, you know what do we want, man? We want a grill. Right, true. But, but that, no. Yes, but no. Yes, but no. Yeah. Anyway, so with that being said, let's let's get right to it, man. Uh, I wanted to make sure we throw that softball out there. I'll probably give everybody that question just to see what they think about it. But first of all, thank you all so much for joining me, man. Um, each of you, like I said, are professionals in your own right, and you, you are amazing men. So I, I, I don't want to de delay the time because, like I said, the time does go fast. So the first panel, um, we're going to talk about two topics to, um, during this first panel. The first one is experiencing racism, and the second one is Black Lives Matter. And I, and I like those two um, topics really tied together because they're really, you could say they're one and the same, but they're not. They're not. Because the, what, I don't know if y'all thought about this from the, the standpoint that I have, so I'm going to do the Black Lives Matter topic second, if that's okay. So let's that's talk fine. about experiencing racism. Um, there was a question that went around Facebook um, recently. It was, how young were you when you first experienced racism? Um, Mm. What I'll start with Michael Better. Um, what what when when was the earliest the earliest you could ex remember experiencing racism? I'd probably say uh, I'd probably say 13 years old. I mean, honestly, uh, being from the inner city of Baltimore, man, it was predominantly black, right? So mm -hmm. I didn't have to worry about like the the magnitude of racism until I really progressed into high school. Um, and it was at that point that uh, I want to say yeah, I want to say like ninth grade year. Um, I was put into a, a class that was below my ac uh, advanced academic setting. So when I came out of middle school, I was a straight A student. I was supposed to have a set amount of classes going into uh, to a high school. And I noticed when I brought my my uh, classes home that two of my classes were like your your standard your standard classes. I was like, hey, I'm supposed to be taking like honors English and honors math. And like the uh, the vice principal, uh, she was like, oh no, you're you're with the other ones. And I was like, looking. Everybody I saw now, you can get that feeling like, oh yeah, they, they don't care about grades. <laughs> they don't care <laughs> about school, all right? And I had to actually uh, have my mom involved. We had to bring all like my, my my grades from middle school and we had to bring the note and everything. That's what we take a these set amount of classes. Mm. And I could just see that it just tore the vice principal apart just to take me out of that atmosphere and put me into a, uh, a class that would benefit like for me educationally, so. Mm. Yes, yes, okay. Thank you, thank you for sharing that. Uh, Rob. You know, I, my dad, I guess we we're fortunate. My dad brought us up to where we just really believed in ourselves. We didn't need anybody else to validate us. We validated ourselves. Um, before I was in the Marine and then I was a cop. And it was actually when I was in law enforcement. And it wasn't something that I experienced. 
but it was something we all got together. We were talking one day, like it was probably like two in the morning and this motorcycle cop pulls up and we're telling more stories. And this guy's laughing, this white guy, and he's laughing. And I was like, what's so funny? And he's telling us a story about what happened earlier that day where there was a couple, it was a black couple, and the couple had probably like three or four kids. They're pushing a grocery cart from the store and they have to probably walk about a, a mile or so to take the groceries to the house. So the cop said he pulls over there and he pulls up to the people saying, uh, hey, where are you going with that cart? And the guy's like, well, I'm just trying to get it to my house. I can't carry the groceries and my kids. And the cop said, uh, well, you know, that's stealing, which it technically is not. If the, if the store wants to report it stolen, that's one thing. He can't enforce that. And so then the, the cop was like, uh, the guy's like, so I just want to carry that. I promise I'll bring it back. And he said, you getting smart with me, boy? You getting smart with me? And the guy's like, no, sir, I'm just trying to carry it. He said, so you getting disorderly with me? Do I need to lock you up? And he thought it was funny. And, you know, I can't say what I said to him, but I said, you know, you're a jack. I said, because the next time that guy deals with somebody, a, a cop, he doesn't deal with that cop, he deals with you. Mm. And so to, to, to say that systemic racism is not involved out here today, that's, that's ludicrous. You know, so. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Mike Wilson. Um, I'd say the very first time that I didn't personally per experience per se, but one day when I was about 10, me and a couple of my guys, we were walking through the woods on our way down to the rec center. And on our way back, we saw this fire in the woods. And it was one of those things like, oh, my God, the woods are on fire. And as we got closer, we saw a bunch of white sheets. So obviously, mm -hmm. I was a little young. I didn't know exactly what that was at the time. But as far as me experiencing, experiencing it, I was about 22 or so stationed in Alaska in the Air Force. And my daughter was outside playing with a little white girl. And after about five minutes, the little girl's parents called for her. She ran over came back and she took the Barbie doll out my daughter's hands. And, you know, my daughter kind of followed her like, hey, where you going? And she was like, you know, my parents said I can't play with the dark kids, mm. so, which blew my mind for mm. the fact that we was on a military installation, you know? So that was like, if you can't escape it there, then, you know, it's a bigger problem than we had even thought. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I remember the first time I experienced racism um, that I, I could, I could, literally like pent down and say this wasn't anything but racism i was about 13 years 11 12 or 13 years old and me and my friends used to play on the football field um across from this this bar um we used to call it the redneck bar because i mean you know the type of people that went in there and we knew what a redneck was so um we we would we would play over there and we played over there every single day um and it was the summer so you know it was a hot day we're out there the whole day playing football um throw up tackle and uh we hear a loud pop sound and we're like, well, that's weird that we hear this pop sound. And uh, as, as we hear it, one of my friends goes out. Well, what happened was they started shooting pellet guns at us while they were mm. sitting over on the other side of the thing. And, um, and like, it was like, we're kids, you know, we're kids. And uh, so us being kids later that night, we decided to egg the bar because, we were kids and that's what kids do. Um, but when, when we did, um, when we egged the bar, like they, so we egged the bar, we, we, we had this, this grand scheme. One, we get, gathered all the eggs that we could find, which was like five. And then we, we went to the bar, one person opened the door. Um, and while, when the one person opened the door, me, my brothers and our two friends, well, it was like seven of us total, um, threw all our eggs in there and dashed off. And they started chasing us. Um, and me and my me and one of my brothers got away. My other brother didn't get away. Some of us are faster mm. than others. And um, <laughs> we remember we went back to get them, and we could hit them down the street saying, 
Get those niggas. Get those mm. niggas. He didn't say get those kids, get those people who, you know. And I was like, okay, it's bad enough that you shot at us. But now we know why you shot at us. We know why you did that. So, like, to have that experience at such a young age and have that to, to shape your mind. Now, of course, there are probably other things that were microaggressions that I didn't realize. But that was the first thing that I could really, I, I, like, pinpoint as blatant racism. Um, John, we're talking about our first experiences with racism. Man. Uh Wow. I guess I'm up. I mean, my first experience <laughs> with racism was uh <laughs> was I grew up in Somerville. Um, you know, Somerville had two uh baseball uh like classic baseball fields. You had Doty Field, you know, which were where all the black people they that's where we were all playing at, you know, hands down for the most part. And then you had Parksville. Parksville was the side of town that I lived on, it was closer to my side. Uh, and my father was like, look, we either gonna go track side and go to Doty Field, or we're gonna go to Parksville. Parksville, y'all don't have to, I, I can, y'all don't have to go anywhere. Y'all can walk to practice. We don't have mm -hmm. to pick y'all up. So since my people lived, uh, or they worked in Charleston, it was easy for us to just walk to Parksville. So we had to play at Parks. Didn't want to do it. Every practice that we went to, we had to walk to practice, like through the white neighborhoods. We had to play at the white field. We had to play with the white coaches. We had to be better, twice as as good as the white kids. It was it was crazy. Um, now I'm not saying everybody out there was, but you it, we didn't really hear a lot um, because it was you know me and my two older brothers, so we didn't hear a lot of you know um, verbal um, abuse like nigger whatever. We would never hear anything like that unless something kind of went down. We would hear it in the background. Um, so we, me being the youngest, I was always like cognizant of it. And I was always taught that it exists. And I was taught that people always hide it, uh, or not always, but people hide it often. Mm. And, uh, and so you would see it more in their actions, but they would never really come out and say it. Mm. Um, but as soon as you get mad or as soon as the situation escalates, like, of course we're getting little fights and whatnot and skirmishes out there. That's when you'll hear it come up. And you'll hear them start shouting out those little uh, negative slurs. And, you know, they'll use terms like boy and yeah. all those things that you've heard. And my mother, she she would always teach us these things like, listen out for this. You know, she, she would teach us and let us watch like movies and, you know, Roots and all these other good movies that were out there that would help us be reminded of where we came from. And so it, I always had my antennas up. Uh, so it never really bothered me, but my, that was my first, that's the first time I can really recall experiencing it, you know, just in little situations like that coming and going like in sports, like, uh, that, that was maybe what, nine, 10 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. See, that's, that's crazy. And so like, I, I, and I wanted to start with that because so many people, especially now, you know, with everything that we're dealing with, with the protests and everything going on. There are people who I genuinely, after having certain conversations, realize that they really believe that racism is not a thing. Um, they, they really believe that racism is not a thing. What do you say to a person that is not of color that says there's no way that racism is real? And I want to start I want to start that question with Michael better. Um, well, the biggest thing is actually trying to to get them to see it from a, a broader aspect. Um, I, I believe Mike is up also in the military, or two people in the military. From, from having that background as well, uh, I wouldn't have not have thought that there are people that hate me just because I'm an American, mm -hmm. right? 
yeah. until being put in that environment and saying, "Oh, this is this is really they really hate us, right?" Yes. Um. So I try to I, I try to pull back the stance of saying like. Well, have you, you know, have you ever been into a country that they hate you just because of the location of where you've been born? Mm. Your, your Iraq, your Afghanistan. Right. Like, oh, no. Right. Like, but do, you, do you believe that that there are people out there that could that could hate you that much? Oh, yeah. I see it on the news all the time. All right. Well, now let's just take that. Let's ramp it up a notch. Let's start talking about people hating you because of color, not just because of where you're born, because of the, the color you're born in. Right. Yes. They, yes. Oh, I, I haven't really thought about it like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it, it plays it plays a picture when you when you bring a person that's not used to that setting or that scenario back down to earth that we can all relate to terrorism, whether it's domestic or foreign. Right. Because we that's constantly in front of us. But those little things like George Floyd and, and Oscar Grant, Oscar Grant, there were not movies created or there were not uh, cameras to record what was happening. A lot of people wouldn't see or even know of the George Floyds. And like right. I say, a lot of the times is that. He's not the first. He's not the first George Floyd. He's one yeah. of many, right? Yeah. Be before May twenty fifth. So that's usually what I lead into when I'm trying to uh, relate to you know racism in the today's world. Absolutely, uh, uh, Rob. What you got? You know, it's, it's interesting. One of the things, and I hear that a lot. People say, you know, things are changed, Rob. You didn't deal with that. I'm like, that's not true. I did, but it's just how I deal with it. Mm -hmm. um, if if there wasn't racism, there wouldn't be so many blatantly wrong videos the abundance of and they'll say well that's just you know they look at things in isolation versus totality yeah, yeah. you know they don't they don't know about Emmett Till they don't know about situations that that preceded this you know the egregious situation that preceded it but I, I, I share a story with them and this is a, a story when I was with my daughter um, we went to a, a department store in Charleston that I'm not going to name Dick's in West Ashley um, <laughs> so <laughs> we were in to get my daughter uh, a composite bat for softball so we're in we're lying and there's this older black guy in front of us, and, and he's talking to the, a young white guy cashier. And I don't know what the guy's trying to ask because I'm having brain damage just listening to it. And so I just kind of, my brother said, this would probably be a good time to open up another register. So the kid did what I thought he would do, and he, he called for somebody to open another register. This big, when I say big, this big, big white guy um, named Charles comes to the register. And I realized that he's the general manager. And so he points to the guy behind me, a white guy behind me, and says, hey, I'll go and take you. And the guy looks at me like, uh, he's looking at me and looking at the guy. And I said, don't you mean you'll take next in line? And he points at me and says, no. He points to the, to the cashier says, he's going to deal with you. I'm going to help him. And so the guy's walking around, but he's just real, you know, he's very tentative about it because he just realizes this is just blatantly wrong. And so I walk, I, I walk around the front of the, the, the register and I said, no, nope. his name was Charles. I said, nope, Chucky. That's exactly what you're not going to do, Chucky. You're going to take next in line, Chucky. Cause that's what you're supposed to do, Chucky. And so the guy is just, he's evil. He is mad. And I'm just going, I say, you know, what's wrong, Chucky? You're like, you're upset, Chucky. And Chucky, the guy, he, he, he glares and blares. I mean, no, if I was upset, you'd be the first to know about it. Now, if this guy would have hit me, I would have had brain damage. And I'm happy that there was a camera above me. And I said, nope, Chucky, I'd be the last to know about it because you are the manager, Chucky, and I'm the customer, and the customer's always right. Isn't that right, Chucky? And what I wanted my daughter to understand is that you don't have to get mad. You don't have to get indignant. But right is right. Stand on the side of right. Mm. So, yeah. But I tell that story. And there's other stories. And people are like, really? I'm like, yeah, you don't experience that. Yeah. Or you're not even conscious of it because it doesn't, it doesn't affect you where you have to look out for that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And all of us are actually military. All of us have military backgrounds. Um, if we're not, I know Mike's in the military. Mike Wilson's in the military now. Um, Rob, you retired from the, from the Marines, correct? 
I didn't retire, but I was. I was you're a prior marine. Once marine, always marine. Once marine, always marine. And uh, John, John, and I are both army. What, what were you, Mike? Uh, better. Uh, Ten years Air Force. Air Force. Okay, so yeah. so we had. So hold on, what branch are you in, uh, Wilson? Air Force. Okay, so we had three people that were in the military, and then two people that were in the Air Force on on the line. I knew it was coming. I knew a jab was coming. I knew a jab was coming. Hey, no. You hey, know, hey, hey, it's all love. It's all love. It's all love. Yeah, but seriously, yeah, but like, it's it's that's something I actually said on on a on a show that I did a couple of weeks ago was that like the military is probably the best version of what America is supposed to be at its at its best. Um, just because of the fact that you're so reliant on the people that are in your unit, especially when you're overseas. Now, are there factions in the military? Definitely, but but we are definitely more unified in the in the military. Um, Army, Navy. Yeah. Uh, Marine, yeah, Coast Guard, we're much more unified than the than the nation is. And I always say this: the first thing that was that was integrated in America was the military. military. Before anything else was was uh was integrated, it was the military. So you know, shout out to our brothers and sisters in uh in uniform out there that are doing that are doing great things. With that being said, let's 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 switch let's switch gears. I want to talk about Black Lives Matter, but I don't want to talk about it the way that most people talk about it. I want to talk about it from this standpoint. Is Black Lives Matter and Bla Black Lives Matter the phrase and Black Lives Matter the organization the same thing? No, mm -hmm. I don't think so. Now, well, I think you have to. Yes. Well, man, I, was, I had a thought on that. So, no, cook. You know, I, I think you've got to separate the group from the mantra because you could believe in the message, the word, without being affiliated with the group, you know, because all of us, for the most part, are just trying to explain to people that. We want to hold the value that everybody else has. And a lot of times when they hear Black Lives Matter, the first reaction is like, that's racist. Why do you only care about yourself? And they say, no, we're asking for inclusion. Mm. So, so thinking that a Black life matter doesn't mean that you support any of the actions. Like just like any politician or whatever that you support, you don't agree with everybody 100%. Right. I agree. I agree. Uh, uh, let's go mm -hmm. with... Uh, Andrew, you just popped in. Black Lives Matter. Is Black Lives Matter the phrase and Black Lives Matter the organization the same thing? Um, I mean, I, I suppose, I suppose it would make sense that, you know, uh, you know, it started with the phrase and then it jumped into like a movement or an organization, or at least that's what it seems like to me. I could be wrong, but I, I suppose, I suppose they're the same thing, you know, but when it's all said and done, this is a thing that we should all be for you know okay. so i guess mm -hmm. at the end of the day it doesn't it doesn't matter to me, you know all right uh mr mrs uh pastor simmons john what you got uh yeah i, I think it's supposed to be the same thing <laughs> but um i i just don't think that it is anytime you start to like monetize something and and kind of put you know any type of financial support and backing behind it at that point, you 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 fall at the powers of whoever owns the movement to do whatever needs to be done to either generate more funds or more attention, and so it becomes more commercialized, and so you lose the authenticity of it. I mean, it's it's funny that you asked me about it because it's almost the same thing using like the word Christian, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you can use the 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 name, but everybody doesn't follow it the same. And so, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things that you got to look at and understand that this is what it's supposed to be. And this is what we're supposed to be fighting for, for Black Lives Matter. 
but everybody's not going to do it the same way. Everybody's not going to have the same drive and purpose behind the movement. Okay. Michael Better, I know you work with Black Lives Matter in Charleston, so I wanted to ask you the same thing. Um, Me personally, I, I feel like there, it's even though the goal is the same, the entity behind it is, is completely separate. Um, it's almost like being an activist and someone who wants to protest, mm. right? Like the, the, the dedication of, act, of being an activist, I don't care if it's three people outside and protesting, I'm gonna get the same energy. I don't care if it's 90 degrees or if it's pouring down raining and I have something to say about it. Now in the terms of protesting, I, I stand for something I, and I want change, but man, it's, it's 103 degrees. I, I, maybe I'll protest Saturday when it's 80. Right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's raining. Uh, I don't know. Are the cameras gonna be out there? Uh, <laughs> right. Right. Go get them, guys. Right. So, so the 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 point behind Black Lives Matter, in my opinion, is that of course everyone, especially if you're black, like Black Lives Matter. But the idea behind the group is like, oh, it not only matters, but you're gonna hear us that it matters. We're gonna we have to go ahead and spray paint every uh, monument that's associated with oppression in the city or in the state. Black lives is definitely going to matter whether you want to hear it or not. So though, though the end goal is, regardless, is equality, right? The impact and the devotion and commitment that you're going to take to one side is a little bit higher than that, I believe, of people saying, like, hey, at the end of the day, man, black lives matter. You know? Yeah, so, yeah, I agree, totally. Uh, Rob? Um, here's my take. I'm not, I don't ask anybody for anything, and I, I'm not trying to be flip or anything else like that, but the importance I see when Black Lives Matter, when George Floyd, when he was killed, when he was murdered, people start bringing up his prison or his record. You know, he did this, he did that. Who cares? You killed this man over a, a, assume, a presumed fake $20 bill. You took this man's life like you felt like he owed you his life. The difference now, you know, if you have breast cancer, you're not champion. You're doing breast cancer awareness month. You're not champion lung cancer. You don't with breast cancer because that's what's important at that time. That's the right. issue you're dealing with. For us to feel like we have to justify you know, why we are concerned about our safety and our freedoms. I mean, that's, that's, that's silly. And right now you are really seeing people who feel entitled, entitled to sit there and you can be, you know, there's a teacher from our district, um, Rajan, who, who comes yeah. out there and he talks about, you know, the kids that he's, he's in charge of, of, of helping to groom. Yeah. They feel so empowered, so entitled that there's so many things that are just coming out now. And these are people in powers of influence and, and, you know, uh, and impact. Yeah. And it's like, but to see the, the to see the backlash where those who are saying, no, that's wrong. What you're doing is wrong. But they're, it's incredulous to them because they're now seeing it because now people are being more blatant about it. Yeah. And I, I'm saying like, you see that they're outing all of you and you're still doing this. You mm. are still doing this. And that is a sense of entitlement. Like you're not supposed to speak up. You're not supposed to to go against the norm. You're supposed to stay in your place. I'm like, yeah, that work for me, buddy. Mm, I love it. I love it. Wilson. Uh, you know, I think that going back to what I was saying, it's, it's an inclusionary thing. Like, you know, I wouldn't feel the need to go to like a cancer rally about breast aware, breast cancer awareness and start screaming about prostate cancer. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, and when I'm talking to people, they say all lives matter. They like do the deflection of, you know, about black on black crime. And at that point, it's kind of like if all lives matter to you and you're witnessing these things, why aren't you on the streets like the move, like the Black Lives Matter movement is? Mm. So, so from that standpoint, you know, it's easy to sit behind your computer. It's easy to sit at home when you know it's not coming to your doorstep. So for us, you know, um, those of us that are not a part of the organization, but 
are still black as well. You know, it's kind of that same thing where we're being treated as a monolith and a lot of times the message gets lost because everybody's trying to find a way to not talk about the issue itself. Yeah, yeah, I, Wait, I agree totally. Can I say one thing on the black on black crime? Yeah. So a lot of people bring that up as a response. It's a trite response, you know, well, what about black on black crime? Well, you know what? That cop has a fiduciary duty to protect lives, protect property, and enforce regulations. You know, if there's a black on black crime, treat it as a crime, deal with it as a crime. That person is not paid to protect and to make sure that this person is, you know, is treated justly. That cop is paid for that. That is his job. You know, let's not let's, let's separate the two because they're two totally different situations. If if somebody if a, if another person had done to George Floyd, what that cop did, I mean, it's, it's a guarantee. That's murder. Yeah. You know, now things are just starting to come to light. Where where instead of just when I saw Rodney King, I I, I watched that live. You know, I watched the video and it brought me to tears. I just came back from Hawaii and it brought me to tears. Like, are you serious? That was in 1992, and we're yeah. still dealing with that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, can I say something? Please. So, you know, when, you know, because of course you hear people bring up black on black crime, right? And I mean, mm -hmm. Rajon, you know me. I'm very quick to tell people one, black on black crime is a myth. It black is. people, we don't disproportionately kill each other any more than anybody else. You kill who you're around, and that's yeah. white, black, Spanish, Asian, whatever. Um, but I'm very quick to tell people that black on black crime is a myth, but even the, the, uh, even saying black on black crime, uh, as a response to black lives matter, it's, it's a silly thing because in essence, what you're saying when you bring that up is you're essentially saying, well, you kill each other. So why can't I kill you? Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. And, and it's very point. important that you learn not learn, excuse me, gentlemen, but it's very important that we're quick to call white people out whenever they, they try to do that, whenever they, mm. whenever they do that. Because uh, the, this is, to me, to me, this is part of those microaggressions. Yes. You know? yes. It's one of those things of, well, I'm going to disregard your reality in favor of my own. Well, the reality of the situation is that I get killed in your reality. Mm. I can't live in your reality. I... I legitimately cannot breathe in your reality. So it's very, you have to be very quick to, to call people out. Um, that I just wanted to kind of say that and, and, you know, kind of relation to the whole black on black crime. Cause that's one of the things that pisses me off the most about like mo honestly more than any other thing, because they say it in a way to say that black people, we just have a propensity towards criminality that like, that's where that comes from. We just mm -hmm. can't help ourselves. We must kill one another. And I it pisses me off more than anything. So sorry yeah. about that. I just wanted to get no, that that's, out. That's that's, no, that's 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 what this good. is all about. That's what this is all about. It's, it's it's literally again, we have to own these conversations. We have to insert ourselves into these conversations because if not, the CNNs of the world, I mean I'm a fan of CNN, but the CNNs of the world will own our conversation. They will have a conversation about black people without including black people. This <laughs> cannot continue to happen. It can't continue to happen. Um, Michael, I want to come back to you, Michael. Better, um, oh, Wilson. You got something? Yeah, just real quick. Uh, yeah. So going back to that line of thought, we've been calling these people out, and, yeah. and when we do, we get we get told we plan some kind of race card. So I need them to call each other out. That you know, uh, what I'm saying? When, when, because because they keep trying to put the onus on us, like to fix racism, this has to happen. And I'm like, no, to fix racism, I need your help because you're a good person. So I need you to teach your people 
how to be good people. Yes, what, man. So yes. wait, yeah. before you move on, John, uh, your name is Michael? Yes. yes. Why do we need anybody to help us out? Exactly. That's exactly I, I what I'm that, that idea. Because, because, yeah, because we, we've, we've been having these same conversations since this is a country. Martin and them had the conversations. Malcolm and them had the conversations. And we're still sitting here in 2020 having the same conversations. So we know what's going on. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? You can't fix it by ourselves. You know what yes, It has to be a joint effort. That, but we that's can, a we cannot. It hasn't been fixed. able to do. No, no, time and time and time and time. If we were able it's to create like Russia. Wall Street with no help, if we were able to create our own wealth, if we have a trillion dollar buying power in America, which we do per year, what do we need anybody's help to do? I I think I understand what you're saying, but and I, I understand what the uh, what the pastor's saying as well. It's not. Uh, I don't know that, Rajon, if you deal with the situation, people are not going to come to you in any kind of way, are they? Right. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And, and people, they don't want to deal with the brain damage I'll give them, not from being, you know, physical or whatever. It's just, you know, this is just, this really isn't what you want, you know, and I, I that, that precedes me. And for me, what I teach my young men is that, you know, you have to know who you are. You don't need somebody to validate you. If you're right, stand on right. You don't have to yell at somebody. You don't have to argue. Just stand on the side of right, you know, and that may not always work. In certain situations, but you have it, you can't be so reliant on somebody else to to empower you. You can't, you know. I, I'm a firm believer. Don't empower somebody. Take power away from you. There are so many situations out here that we look at. I'm just like, this is crazy. This is crazy. And for me to no, sit I there and say, Will you please, have that person, stop doing that. No. What needed to happen is what happened. I hate it that it did happen, but what needed to happen is happening. Where yeah. people, instead of me trying to tell you, I'm not trying to legislate morality. I'm not trying to tell you to be moral. Where you're looking at it and in your own heart, and it's it's, it's a loud outcry. There are a lot of people. I saw a, a white lady in my neighborhood. She got out of her car. She was doing something on the back windshield. I'm like, what is she doing? And I look, and she's putting a Black Lives Matter stick on the back of her on her on the back of her windshield. I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, go yeah. on now. I see. So, so listen. So one, we're <laughs> at the end of this. Now I told y'all this goes quickly. We're at the end of the segment. We're at the end of the segment, but this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. We just getting hot. I know. I definitely. That's what I'm telling you. So listen. So this we're gonna do. This we're gonna do because one only one of my second panelists are here. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna drop Andrew off. I'm gonna bring Andrew back for my third segment. All right, Andrew. And I'm gonna. And so and then I'm gonna keep the the four of y'all on for the next segment. I would love to. My we're supposed to be at a party that we're late going to because I understand, bro. I understand, bro. Thank you so much for joining me. All right, man. You guys be good, man. I appreciate the time. Yeah, man. No problem. Thank you, man. Be easy, man. All right, man. All right, right, John. So you're just gonna get at me for the third? Yeah, I'm gonna keep you on. I'm gonna be back for the third. All right, catch you later. Yes, sir. All right, all right, cool. So we're we're switching out panelists. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Rob, for joining us. Uh, Mike, you still good? Both mics are good, right? Better. Real quick follow up. Real quick follow up. Yeah. So, so I agree with everything, everything that was just said. My only point was from the standpoint of we always talk about equality and all that. We can't give ourselves equality is what I was trying to say there. You know, yeah. saying like we, like if, if it's going to be equality, then there has to be sides that come, that come together at some point, what I was trying to say. What, what, what I'll say about that is this, and then we'll move on, um, because I, I do want to make sure that we're not staying too long on, on, on topics. I want to get through all the topics. But uh, what I will say is this. 
I just read a book and I've, I've been talking about this book for the, like the last, since I started reading it last, like two, last week or two weeks ago called um, Stamp from the Beginning by um, Ibram X. Kendi. And it talks about the fact that there are three types of people. So it talks about American, African-American history, the people in Amer African-American history, the, like the non-typical people that, that you probably don't hear about, like Zurara and people like that, that go all the way back to ancient Africa um, and how it pertains to African-Americans in America. And he breaks up everybody in the book, everybody from Zurara to Martin Luther King to, to Barack Obama down into three categories, right? Um, there's separatists who, who are racist. There's assimilationists, people who believe that we need white approval to, to, to move forward. And then there's uh, anti-racists. And anti-racists are people who believe that African-Americans do not need the approval of white America to become great in this country. And that book and those concepts have really made me rethink the way I do a lot of the things that I do. Um, it makes me rethink the way the, the power that I give people over my life. And it makes me rethink um, so much. So if you haven't read that book, check it out. It's called Stamped from the Beginning. No, it's called Stamped. Um, it's a it's a shorter version of a, a larger book called Stamped from the Beginning. It's an amazing book. Um, I would recommend it to anybody who, who who's looking for that. I don't want to stay in that conversation too long. I do have something else I wanted to ask about that, but I want to see if I can fit it into these topics um, that we have coming up. So the next topic, first of all, I want to thank um, John Singleton uh, from the Love Legacy Podcast. Thank you so much for joining yes, me, sir. sir. Love all right, so please introduce yourself to the audience. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay, making sure. All right. Introduce yourself to the audience, brother. What, what's going on, fellas? Um, my name is Jonathan Singleton from the Love Life Legacy Podcast. I am one of the two panelists. The other one's my wife, of course. Uh -huh. uh, she's tuning in and she's uh, watching live. She's going to be adding her feedback and sharing and everything. And it's a pleasure to be on, brother. It's a pleasure to be on. Absolutely. And uh, uh, Pastor Simmons, John, I don't know if you're going by John or Pastor. I, I, we didn't go over nomenclature before the before the session. <laughs> no. but you yeah, my I brother. Don't know what you wanted me to come uh, in as. You, but... John, you John. So, so uh, Mr. Uh, Pastor Simmons, John, uh, can you introduce yourself? Because you didn't get a chance to in the first segment. My name is Pastor Jonathan Simmons. I'm right here from Somerville, South Carolina, born and raised uh, ex-military, did 15 years uh, in the United States Army, um, currently back in charleston enjoying life and uh starting a new ministry called grace to glory in somerville and um that's it just wanted to be a part enjoy awesome 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 so i'm so glad to get you guys started um on this um as you if you were watching you know that we kept a few of the panelists from the last one because sometimes as colored people you know we we, we forget our <laughs> obligations and i'm not going to get into that too much but Thank you all for being here. I appreciate that. <laughs> be your own people. I'll just say that. And uh, <laughs> um, but 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 seriously, I, I want to go ahead and get to these topics. We have two um topics. One that really uh we can catapult off of our last discussion, which is protecting black leaders. Um, protecting black leaders. One, do we have black leaders? And two, what are we doing to protect those leaders? I'm gonna start with you, uh, Mr. Singleton. Um, that's a very good question. Um, <laughs> I don't know if <laughs> this is hard. We can see uh, leaders that try to be in the forefront and stand for the cause who've been there for years or who are newcomers. Um, but it's not like how it was back in the day. Like we had notable leaders uh, who stood for the cause. They were on the right side and they still had all their morals intact. Um, over the years, some of these leaders have made decisions that you will question their judgment. And rather, if they were in it for their own personal gain or were they in it for the movement. And then some 
uh, new ones came up and rise, but it made you question because of the motives of the old leaders. So I honestly don't know if we have current representation that we that I can consider as leaders that speaks for the black community. Um, you know, I just I, I honestly don't know how to answer that question. Mm, I'm okay. Real. All right. Uh, I'll go with uh, Michael Better. Um, and honestly, um, piggybacking off of what Jonathan said, uh, Jonathan Singleton, I wouldn't say that we have, in comparison to the past, a key figure as black leaders. Uh, now, do we have black leaders? Oh, unequivocally, yes. I mean, but it's just that they just don't fall under the same scale that your your Dr. Kings, right? Your your Rosa Parks, your your uh, your Malcolm X's. Because I mean, I, I literally watch, <laughs> I watch Killer Mike speak every day right mm -hmm. he is a glorious representation of atlanta and he took but but is it this is it denounced because he's a rapper is it denounced because he's a hip-hop artist maybe but as his intentions primarily and 100 percent for the not just the black community in atlanta but for the black community as a population right um and it's it's one thing to be a leader with a voice. It's another thing to be a leader with the voice and with the education. He does a great a great job at educating himself and informing himself before speaking. He does a lot of listening. Um, so there was a panel that he did. Uh, God, what was it with, with Ti and Candace Owens? And the information that he delivered is something that makes you want to go back and read what he's reading, so you can get yourself up to speed. Because he's yeah. not just speaking. Like, we need this or we need that. He's giving you statistics, he's giving you facts, and he's pointing out in other areas how things are delegated down. So, I mean, yeah, we, we definitely have black leaders, but it's just, it's almost like I said, comparing, I don't know, Dwayne Wade to Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan's like up here. That doesn't denounce Dwayne Wade from anything where he is, but yeah. he's like, oh, he's not Michael Jordan. And so it's, we, we, we have them, we have them. We just have to go about it the right way to support our black leaders, Yeah, honestly. Yeah. I mean, with the social media platform that we have today, we should be supporting them at a much grander scale than what they did back in the day. I mean, yeah. uh, what is it? Dr. King was arrested 29 times and unless you did your research that or somebody of, of my age, you wouldn't know that, right? Right. right. We, we have to do a better job at not just educating ourselves, but supporting those that are looking to benefit our community. Yeah, absolutely. Mike Wilson. Um, as far as the protection point, I, I do agree that there's some leaders out there. And as Mike just said, they're not on that level per se, you know, as far as notoriety and getting the message out there. But as far as protecting them, I think we do need to do a better job of that because it's almost as if as soon as you disagree with somebody time on one subject, we just kind of go throw him away or, you know, like he sold out or, you know, whatever the case may be. So I think to some degree, we have to expand a little bit just to kind of be accepted that even a leader is a leader, they're not perfect either. Yeah, uh, I, I want to bring the question to you, uh, Pastor Simmons, because of the fact that, you know, especially in the, in the past, um, especially you look at the civil rights movement, a lot of the black leaders came from the church. Um, why do you think that the black leaders are no longer coming from the church in the way that they once did in the day, in the day of Dr. King? I believe... I really believe it's because of, um, uh, let me be careful how I say this. I believe it's the fear of losing their congregation to what they really need to pay focus to. If you notice, Martin Luther King didn't have a congregation, you know, uh, and if you would to say he did, it was, you know, more of a home church that he would go back to. He didn't have mm. to really pastor that congregation. 
So it was more on, on I believe, the evangelical standpoint where he was able to go and come as he needed to, and he was able to give his attention over to what he was working on. And so nowadays, because most most of our leaders, if you look at it, uh, they're either they, they either have a, a, a one foot in the political standpoint, like um, like if you say Al Sharpton, you know, he's not really work walking around with a, with a congregation of that sort. So he has to pick and kind of stand for one thing and one thing only and kind of walk in that else you'll kind of lose it. Now, back in the day, um, honestly, the church was really all black people had to you know, we didn't we didn't really have time to do much else, yeah, right? Yeah. That was that was something that we could really call our own. So when you had the church backing, you had everything. You had everybody, you know. But nowadays you don't have that as much as you had back in the day. And mm-hmm. then nowadays because because of you know, it and I don't I don't even think black people really understand like how segregation and all that stuff kind of kicked in. Now black people are at the white people's churches, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, that's, yeah. that's still the most segregated day in America is on a Sunday. I mean, but we're going to more of their churches than they're coming to ours. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, it gives everyone else more ability to do more than we are able to do with our own. Mm. Uh, so I don't even want to get into looking, you know, some of the things that we do as black people anyway, like you yeah. said earlier, like, you know, we're talking about the time. And yeah. We're talking about, you know, looking at leaders and and, and what qualifies. Y'all hear leaders. me? You know, when you know so much and we, we have so much knowledge and yeah. we as a, a people, we tend to pull each other down more than we do push them up. Right. And so that's what we face more now. I'm, I'm sure, you know, if, uh, you know, look, I'll just use the Michael Jordan. Uh, Dwayne Wade analogy that was really good because yeah, I, go wrong with that one. great. But then I went back to LeBron. I thought about it. I was like, well, LeBron's right there too. You know, uh-huh. let's, yeah. let's talk LeBron. You know, because of all the, and I'll just look at them like like the Bible says. Like if we're looking at a leader and we're looking at someone of, that doesn't you know have reproach or bring a reproach on the church and things of that nature, if we looked at Michael Jordan versus uh, LeBron James. LeBron James don't have any blotches like on his record, right? Uh-huh. But uh-huh. because it's so much knowledge out there and so much statistics and so much we can pull on, it's still so many people that say, and I'm not saying LeBron's better, it's so many people that still will just say, nope, Jordan's better, you know, because of everything that was going on in the past and all yeah. that he had to deal with in the past. So my, my point is, it's, it's hard to really look at um, just leaders overall and, and be able to just say, hey, man, um, you know, this is going to be, this is a great leader and, but you face so much criticality when you're trying to lift any one person up nowadays. Yeah. If you're running for president, they're going to pull up every little bit or ounce of dirt on you. And yep. especially when you're black, you know, mm. you, I'm a black pastor. I promise you stuff is going to come up about me, you know, that will, pe- will people will point at and say, well, he's not a good man or he's not a man of God because he did this and he did that. And so nobody's pushing you up. Everybody's pulling you down. And when you face that, you know, you just got to know who you are and you got to just know who, what, what you believe and keep going forward, regardless of how people act or interact around you. And eventually, you know, the truth, the truth will shine and, and who you are will stand for itself over time. Absolutely. So, Thank you for sharing that. Now, I see Montrell's in here. Can we can you hear us, Montrell? Mr. Jones, can you hear us? 
All right, he sounds like, sound like he having some difficulties. We'll make sure he's good. But so that was a very good point that, that you guys all made um, in regards to black leaders. Um, one thing that I find um, when it comes to especially black leaders um, and really leaders that, that black people support, um, and this actually extends even when you look at the elections that we've had recently, um, in, including uh, involving uh, Hillary Clinton and what I believe may possibly happen with Joe Biden, is that we are so willing to... We are so apt to critique and criticize you, people for things can you, can, that. Can you hear me? Yeah, we, we hear you, Montreal. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. You good? I hear you. All right, go out and come back in. If you can't, if you can't hear me, just go out and come back in. I got you. But, but um, the point that I was making was that we will look at a person and we dissect that person, right? And we will find every reason to not like that person, even if that person ultimately represents our best interest more so than the other person. The other side will see all the flaws in that person I'm and good. say, I'm sorry? Huh? You good? Can y'all hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can yeah. hear you. Yeah, I can okay. hear you. I'm sorry, Montreal, yeah, issues. Montreal, go out and come back in, bro. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna kick you out and bring you back in because you, you have some difficulties. Uh, Sorry. Uh, kick us. All right, cool. So, but, but yeah, Rajon, you were you were right on that. Yeah, so you, you, so you were exactly right. So we so we will we will talk ourselves out of somebody who may be in our best interest, and and the other side will say, who cares about the other stuff? He represents our best interest, and we're just gonna roll with that person. So, but we say, but we'll say, well, how do I know he's a hundred percent hundred percent here for me? How do I know she's a hundred percent here for me? Well, you know that other person definitely is not here for you. And they're not even trying to make you think that they're here for you. This person here is flawed, but because they're flawed, you're going to say, well, I'm going to back out. Giving that person the win. Now, we did that in 2016. Yeah. And y'all see what we got. <laughs> we, did, we did that in 2016. Y'all see what we got. Yep. I, I, When I think about black leaders, I think this problem directly speaks to that. Because let's go back to the black church. We want to tear our pastors apart. We want to rip them to shreds. They are not perfect human beings, and therefore they are not my leader. Martin Luther King was a flawed right. man, y'all. Martin Luther King was a flawed yep. man. Martin Luther King had affairs on his wife. This is true. Martin Luther King, Martin Luther King was tracked by the FBI on a day-to-day -day basis. They had they had audio of this man. They had audio of this man having an affair on his wife and J. Edgar Hoover sent the audio to his wife. Do you know what his wife said? That's Martin Luther King. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that that's right. I'm not saying that it's right. right that that was. The, it but, ain't right. It just is. But, but they the, knew that the bigger the bigger goal was more important than the micro issue. The macro was bigger than the micro, and we get so caught up in the micro that we're like, forget the macro. Right. Who the cares if things? A house divided against itself cannot, itself cannot stand. stand. That's what it says. And and people, and especially black people, we miss that every time. And so that that's what the enemy knows. You know, Satan knows that on your life, on your family, on your job. He knows that anywhere you are. And so when even with this movement, with the black, everything that we do against ourselves will do nothing but hurt us. And Absolutely. so we got to look at the things that are trying to divide us and nullify those things and stand on what we agree on. 
yeah, and move yeah. forward in that. We can we can we can work out the details and the, the smaller issues later. But let's work to get what we need right now. Yeah, let's work yeah. together on the things that we can agree on. Absolutely. And one thing that we can all agree on is black men as husbands. Y'all see how I did that? Hey, man. That's called like, we call that a segue. You know, we call that a segue. See the segue? <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. Black men as husbands. Now, I think that all of us on here, except for you, John, you're not married now, but you were married. So, like. I was. So so we so we all have have experienced life as husbands. Mr. Better, are you are you are you married? No, no. You're not married. All right, cool, good. You can still talk to this. We got you. Though. We got you. We gonna put you on our back. We got you. All right. So, Mr. Uh, Mr. Singleton, your entire podcast is centered centered around the black family. Um, and and I know you to be a strong black husband. What does it mean for you to be a a black man as a husband? What what does that mean to you? Everything. Mm. I mean literally everything. Um, I knew very young at a young age that I wanted a family. I was not raised in a two parent household, single mother, worked two jobs, three kids. And the imagery of family that I saw, that I learned from, from Family Matters, you know, from wholesome shows like The Cosby Show, it, it spoke to me as a young man and it spoke to what I feel like I was birthed in this world to be, and that is a husband and a father. I know it sounds weird, but I told my mom when I was eight years old, old on a public bus going downtown, uh, I, I was going to, uh, I can't remember the elementary school um, downtown I went to, um, it's, it's leaving me. Anyways, um, while on the way downtown, I said, mama, you know, one day I'm gonna grow up and I'm gonna leave you. And she said, what do you mean? I said, well, I'm gonna get married and I'm gonna have kids, I'm eight. What eight-year-old supposed to be talking like that, especially a boy? Right, <laughs> right, but right. right. It, I was speaking from an internal place that I really didn't understand at the time, but I had a big vision. So mm. my life has been formed around that completely. And now living in it, you know, as a husband, we'll be coming up on uh, we're 14 years, July 14th. Um, we have five kids. You know, that woman right. gave me five babies. God bless her. I owe my life. Um yeah. You know, I, it, it speaks to what I feel like I'm supposed to be contributing to the world. Uh, our podcast is named Love, Life, and Legacy. So what am I going to give to this world through my family that I am building a legacy that's going to transpire or transcend beyond me? Um, so I focus 100% on my family. If somebody asks me what is my number one motivation, that's my family. You know, what do I live for? That's my family. What do I do things for? That's my family. And I, I am fulfilled through that. And it is an honor and it is a privilege. And everything that wraps around me has to do with family. I don't care if it's even a Sunday, Saturday morning, um, you know, where the, you know, we cook breakfast and we all sit down and we're watching Wildin' Out together and we're having laughs. Mm -hmm. You know, we're yeah. walking on the trail and, uh, you know, I can find pockets of teachable moments to talk to my kids, um, you know, about life or life's experiences. To me, I'm fulfilled through that. Men have different responses and reasons for why they do what they do. But me as a black man, knowing how the stereotypes look um, for black men, especially in 2020, I feel like I am serving a greater purpose to shift the paradigm on how people look at the black family, how mm. people look at black marriage. And no, I don't consider myself to be a pillar or I'm better than anyone else, but I feel like I am contributing and doing my part to not only change the narrative, but to also keep the black family at whole where it needs to be because we are a strong unit.
So. Absolutely, absolutely. Montreal, go ahead and get in, man. We're talking about the black black husbands. What does it mean to yeah. you to be a black husband? Uh, it means everything to me, actually. It means everything. Uh, I can remember being 12 years old, uh, praying. I don't know. I didn't know what I was praying, but I said, God, I just, uh, I want to be a husband. I want to be a father. And, uh, at 12 years old, that was on my heart. I, I, I don't know where it came from. And, uh, I had a very specific prayer when it came to it. I, uh, I knew how I wanted my wife to look. I knew what, what I wanted us to represent. I knew everything. And, uh, uh, that prayer helped me to, it, it helped me later identify my wife, uh, because, uh, she, matched everything that i prayed uh, prayed about at the age of 12 years old and uh so yeah uh just being a part of a chain you know in in, in my family uh history or lineage uh right now being connected to the right woman and uh in the right marriage is important to uh what's coming after this so i knew at an early age that it, it, it was a very important thing to be a husband mm. mike wilson well, you know, I've always thought of it as being like the ultimate responsibility and leadership opportunity. So, you know, because there's a lot of narratives out there, you know, to steal your line from earlier, you know, there are a lot of conversations going on about us that don't include us. So, you know, I take it as a chance to set a template for my children to follow because growing up, I didn't have that uh, person that was an inspiration for me. I didn't have that husband model to follow or learn from so i look at it as an opportunity to just kind of do my part to kind of reverse the way that we're viewed and as far as being like the head of the family and all that kind of stuff like that i feel like um there's no higher honor you know that i've been awarded so far in my life yeah uh michael better you're not married but what what, what does it mean to you when you hear the terms you know husband um what, what does that term mean to you well, this is gonna and be you don't have to agree with everybody. Oh, no, we're good. We're, yeah, this, this is going to be a catch-22 because my girlfriend is, is watching this feed right now. So this is gonna be <laughs> All right, okay. Yeah. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. To be quite honest, I'm, like, I'm, I'm not married currently, but I used to be married. Right? Um, okay. I got married at 21. or twenty. Yeah, 21. Um, and from where I was then to where I am now, there's a certain level of equipped that you have to be to be not just a husband, but a, but a black husband, right? There, mm. I was, I wasn't ready to make certain sacrifices as 21 year old Michael Better that I am now that I'm 35, right? So it was, it was like, oh, you don't like that? I like red. You like blue? Well, we're done. <laughs> you know? um, right? yeah. like, like it's. it's I, I, some people can do it. Some people, like, you know, they say, like, oh, everybody matures differently. Some people can do that. And I, I was mature, but I wasn't husband mature yet, right? Um, Looking at, look, and, 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 and yeah, I, I wasn't. So I, I, I look at now, now I look at, I look at the things that I do for my family, it's them first and then it's me, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, like, yeah. if I like chicken and she likes fish, well, I like fish today. I like chicken tomorrow, right? Well, mm. back then, well, like, are you like, are you like fish? Not like chicken. Well, you eat your fish, and I'll just eat my chicken, right? Um, now, and 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 when it's when it's a good marriage, like even with my when it's a good relationship, it's so natural, 
right? Um, plenty of you guys have already seen like speaking and with the protests. I can look to the right and she's right there. Yeah. Right. Or yeah. I'm like, oh, I gotta get down there. I gotta get downtown. Go ahead, honey. I got the kids. Right. And 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 I I look at that like, man, we're married without the papers. You know, we're 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 married without it being documented. So. And I, I can see the sacrifices and then the appreciation that we have for one another. Like yeah. when, when I succeed, the first person I want to tell is my significant other. Right. Mm. If I if I fail, the first person I have to vent to is my significant other. Back in the day, mm. if I fail, leave me alone. I'm going into my room. I need to be in my own zen. Like she's literally like a part of me. So you you mm. when, when when you're talking to the what what a black husband is, like he's he's what blossoms when he has his wife yeah right he, yeah. he's what he's what blossoms when he finds his significant partner and that's now honestly what i'm seeing and like oh this man, when, when we do get married it's it's not gonna like significantly change because we're married because we're all those things and god and all my flaws she's accepted that i've changed just because i wanted to change it for her you know yeah. versus like oh, i just yeah. want to change it for myself so mm. there's a a big passion and a power behind what a, a a good wife can give a black man to transform into a black husband. I love that. I love that. Uh, John, Pastor Simmons, what you got? Black, <laughs> he black, who black find husband. A wife find is a good thing. And if I got a wife, that means I'm a husband. And, <laughs> and so the Bible just talks <laughs> really about, <laughs> I was about to preach. Now the Bible talks you. about a husband being willing to, uh, you know, give up, you know, his your life, just like, you know, Christ gave his life for the church. And so, you know, being a husband to me is sacrifice. I would always hear my father, you know, because it's three boys in our in our household, and I would always hear him talk to us as his sons, uh, and him being a pastor as well, saying, "Hey, you know, when you when you become a husband, you know, your your life becomes the life for your family, and you become you that's you are now the husband, and you're the husbandman." And so, because of that, you know, I had to really understand you know what it meant to love because if jesus gave his life for us you know for the church you know then i should be willing to give my life you know for my wife and and not so much that i just got to go die but i should be able to sacrifice and give up myself for her and if that means her then that means the family and the things that she loves and the things that she likes and and uh michael better it's funny because i got married at 23 um you know, I, I, I knew I always wanted to be married. I still do um, still want to be married. I want a wife. I want someone to share a life with and a lifestyle with. But um, it's 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 so such a demanding thing. And it's one of those things that you really want to be. You, you want to understand the commitment and you want to understand the sacrifice. And it's not always going to be something that you just know up front. A lot of people try to prepare for it. And it's something that you really just can't, I don't care how much you prepare, you'll never be prepared for it. And so that's why I'm always willing to sit down and pray about, you know, things that I need to get right in my life. And when that one comes along to sacrifice for, I'm going to be willing and ready to sacrifice it. And, uh, and so that's what it means to me. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. John Singleton, I want to come back to you because um, I, I want to ask you when we talk about, because people may, may be watching this saying, well, why are you talking about the black Black husbands. Don't white husbands also matter? Y'all, you, you know how that goes. But I want you to talk, uh, John, about why it's important for black men to discuss being husbands. It, it's because of the negative connotation and stereotypes that have been formulated about black men 
in general. You know, even even our own women speak the negative stereotypes about their black men. So as much as there are good husbands and it crosses over the color lines, specifically speaking because our black men have been so degraded systematically, pulling them out of the household and economically, if you get a chance as a black man to know your history as a black man in America to change the the narrative, I think you owe it to the culture, yourself, and the future of the black family to do just that. Um, mm. Yes, all you know, husbands matter, but right now for me as a black man, because I understand what's at stake, um, I have to bring the focus home because yes. it's not about me. It's about who's coming after me. I have four daughters and a son. My hope is that my girls are going to be cared and revered and respected in the same manner how they see me care and respect for their mother. In the same like manner, my son, I'm trying to set an example and a standard of what a strong black man is supposed to be and represent so that, you know, if it's in his will, he will find a queen that he can also call his wife and then turn and treat her in the same respect like he saw me treat, you know, his mother. So it's it's about more. It's about me. It's bigger than me. And I want this story to transcend, you know, generations because we have been just trampled upon and with negativism so much that it's it's just important to change it. So that's why I would rather focus on, you know, the black husband rather yeah, than right. everybody else. You right. Know, just like how, you know, our, our 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 movement with BLM is right now. We all we understand every life matters, but we want the black life to matter as much as every other life. Yes. In the same right. yes, matter has uh, right. we understand how it's other husbands of other colors, colors and ethnicities, but we want our men to understand that it is possible to be a husband and a father. Yes, right. it is yes. it is possible to be with one woman right. and be okay with that. You yeah. do not have to fall into the stereotype that society has perpetuated on you. So if I can stand in those shoes and be an example and take up that arms, I am willing to do that. If it Absolutely. means my other brothers are going to be able to do the same thing. Absolutely. Right. Thank you. Thank you for that. And I wanted to come back. I knew you were going to hit that out the park, first of all, because like your yeah. whole show is centered around the black family. Make sure you're checking out the Love Legacy podcast. I'm telling you, I know yeah. these people. I love these people, and they're dope. Um, I think it's important that black men talk about being husbands for so many reasons. Um, like you stated, um, again, in the book that I read, you know, the book that I was just telling you about, Stamped, from the, from Stamped it talks about the fact that the black man was seen as oversexed and, and under and, and, and out of control. A black man could not yeah. be faithful to one woman. These things are things that have been taught throughout time about us. Negative connotations that I put out there. Like you said, uh, John Singleton, people, our women say this about us. There ain't no good black men out here. Yeah. They, they, they say that and they're us, right? Yeah, now, right. of course, it's not all of them that are saying it. Also, we as black men, what, what, you know, when we listen to our music, our music, when we listen to our music, what does our music tell us? F, FBs get money. <laughs> I got to have all the hoes. Right. 
right. like that's what our music tells us. That's what our music tells. This is not some some outside agitator coming in and infiltrating infiltrating our culture. We are doing that. So it's right. important that when we get six black men on a screen, that we talk about the importance of the black family and black marriage. That is what, so key. Right. One more point I wanted to make on this. We do a whole lot of talk about, well, you know, a marriage is just a piece of paper. I want to tell you about that piece of paper, that marriage, right? That piece of paper is security for the woman that you love. Right. That piece of paper says that if something should happen to you today or tomorrow, you will not be listed. That, that woman that you care about will not be listed as your special friend. I've seen it happen. Yeah. I've seen it happen to women that were relationships for 10 12 years, 15 years, 20 years. She dies without a ring and that family is swooping in to get everything that she can off that man, that man's legacy. And you don't have, they don't, the courts don't care how long you were with this man. Common law marriage is not a thing in South Carolina anymore. You are the special friend. You have no rights. You are not entitled to anything. You don't get any land. You don't get any money. And not as that is about that. But if you love a woman, why not make her secure? Yes. Why not make sure Ray that John she's secure? Ray John about to have me on the sofa that whole. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love you, Mike, better. I promise you. Hey, when we do the one on one, we don't want to tweet But I've seen it happen, man, and it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart because it's happening to people that I really love and people that I really care about. So, so black men, we have to teach our sons. No, yeah, yeah maybe you you're gonna wait till you're ready to get married, and you know. You're gonna you're not gonna get married at 18 and 19 years old like some of us did. I got married at 19, you know, and I was divorced by 23. That that sucked, but I had to go through that. But now I've been married for, for 13 years now, and I'm really happy and God is good, you know. But I had to go through that. But the one thing I never would want is for my the woman that I care about for something to happen to me and her to have no security. And for people who do not have her best interest at heart to come in, swoop in, and take everything from her. I'm sorry that I talked the rest of that segment out, but what I want to do is this, because right now I only have one person from the next segment on. So I want to ask, I want to ask who's willing to stick around for another segment. All right, I, yeah, single, single. All right, Montreal. Yeah, all right, fast. I'm, I'm gonna let you roll. All right, Wilson. Yeah, thank you go. I gotta go. Love y'all, man. I appreciate. I love y'all, man. Thank you, Betty. You still with us? Let me look. Yeah, I gotta roll, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, right, I gotta right. roll too. With the I get on the kid duty. I understand. Thank you guys so much for joining us, man. Thank you for joining us. But all next right, time, brother. come back. All right. So I got, I got, so so I got Montreal, <laughs> right, so and I got, I got Singletary. Thank you, thank you, Wilson. I appreciate you, bro. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> all right. So we're gonna move on to our final, uh, final panel. And I know some other guys are trying to come in, so I'm trying to let give them time to come in. Um, they're gonna they're gonna be in here. Um, we have Byron Melvin. Oh, he says be right back. And we have Byron Ray that's gonna come as well. And then we have Andrew Burnell who's gonna be coming coming back into this segment. We got John. Uh, John. We got uh, Sean Middleton just joined us. Um, please, sir, introduce yourself to the audience. Unmute yourself first. Unmute yourself first. Unmute yourself. My right bad, here. man. You know I'm not technologically savvy like that. Um, <laughs> hey, yeah. what's up, Jonathan? Man, long time no see, brother. What's um, going on, brother? Hey, man, I gotta come back to the cigar shop. Got, yeah, man, I only seen you in there one time, man. Come on back, dude. Though, when you got COVID, 
We moved. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, shoot. I ain't know. <laughs> yeah, man. It's all good, man. But, um, right. We, nobody knows. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, I just saw you like a month. It was like a month ago. <laughs> Things move fast, brother. I'm, some, I'm a fast worker. I feel you, man. It's always a good way to be. But so introduce yeah, yourself I'm, to the audience, John. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm Sean Middleton, um, uh, local community activist, and a couple of other things. Um, friend of the entire Lewis family. So you know, that's that's all about me, man. You're not much about me. Indeed, indeed. Like I said, we got some other guys that are trying to come in. So I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Once they come in, we're gonna, we're gonna bring them into the, into the feed to um, continue the discussion. But I want to go ahead and get it rolling, man. Um, first of all, this has been for those who are just tuning in. This is toxic or not. Nah. Um, this is a panel discussion show that is by black men for black men to talk about issues that impact black men. Um, we've talked about several issues tonight. If, you, if you're just tuning in, we talked about experiencing racism. We've talked about the um, Black Lives Matter initiative. We've talked about black men as husbands. We've talked about protecting black leaders. And we're really gonna continue that discussion on um, because there's so much, so many discussions that happen about black men that do not involve black men. And I wanna make sure that we have a space that we can do that um, with, with, you know, one, understanding that we are not a monolith and that we all have different ideas and different thoughts about these things, but also that we can come together and we can have a discussion without calling each other names, without being disrespectful, and, and to find some kind of ground where we can all grow and build our community. Because nation building, everybody talks about nation building, but what are we doing really? What are we doing? So with that being said, let's let's go let's go right in. Uh, Father's Day is tomorrow. Um, I haven't asked y'all these questions yet. Um, John? Uh, how do you feel about the selection of Father's Day gifts that are available for fathers? <laughs> I'm gonna be real with you, brother. I've been Cook. down this road many times already. All right, I buy my own Father's Day gifts <laughs> just to <laughs> just to make sure that I get good Father's Day gifts. It's a little <laughs> trick to the tree. So I accept everything, the handmade things, you know, the, the ties, the socks, whatever it is. But on the back end, I know I have something I really want because I purchased it. Bam. Bam. That's some sad stuff. Bam. Bam. Ah, yes. Hey. I'm buying you something next year for Father's Day. You ain't even my dad. I'm gonna buy you something, bro. <laughs> Yo, that's so funny. I'm like, yeah. that's like you, you, your, your girl ever told you about the one girl that she worked with? They send themselves edible arrangements, and everybody be laughing at them. <laughs> that's yeah. what it sound like, dog. Yes. So damn. Fam, yo, listen, man, listen. So people, like, if you if you're not a father, you don't, you don't you don't get why this is funny. If <laughs> if you're not a father, this is so funny. <laughs> when you said that just now, that is so funny, Byron. Byron Ray, Byron Ray, How do you feel about the selection of Father's Day gifts that are available out there? <sighs> Okay, well, let's, let's spin it. Let's spin it. What's the worst well, Father's Day gift you ever got? I'll say this. My wife One second. Everybody mute if you're not talking real quick. Just so we can make sure we can hear them. All right, go ahead, Byron. One. Yeah. So, I got to say my wife always does a great job because 
she knows like I'm in the sound. So she'll always get me like, you know, Bluetooth stuff or speakers and stuff like that. Um, and she'll always cook an amazing meal. But I think overall, we don't really get the same type of gifts nor the same type of publicity as Mother's Day, which I mean, it's gone on so long. Like I'm not even offended by it anymore because it's one of those, it is what it is. Like I don't really think the times are going to change for for fathers, but you know, we got to stand up for ourselves, man. <laughs> right. Like we got to put, Hey, we need to start this other gift. that's what we need to start doing. We just need to start giving each other gifts. We'll start protesting. We Dude, need to do a, a <laughs> Father's Day matter. What kind of gifts would y'all like? Like flowers and stuff? Nah, fam. Just like, I, I, like Byron said, though, my wife, my wife actually does a really good job of, of getting Father's Day gifts. I, but I think that that's something also that you have to, you have to, to understand the 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 issue that comes with it is like people don't pay fathers any attention, dude. Like we get, we get, like we we the Rodney Dangerfields of the family, like. We, you know, we get respect, but we don't, you know what I mean? Like at the same time. So it, it's, it's crazy. But I just wanted to ask that question. Uh, Montreal, you don't have any kids yet, right? Y'all still. Hello? Can you hear me? You muted. Montreal, you muted. You muted, bro. Yeah, it's still muted. How about now? Yeah. Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, yeah. No kids yet. No kids yet. Right. Cool. We do this episode, like, once you have kids. And we're gonna we're gonna hear about your first Father's Day experience. Cause I promise you, you're gonna get you're gonna get a shirt that says, I love you, Dad, or uh <laughs> a tie or, or uh, some a socks, hammer. a hammer. Is that, yes. is that'll be that'll be better than what we got my got my dad growing up. See, Either. see fruit of the loom. That was it. Fruit of the loom. <laughs> <laughs> That's hysterical. That's hysterical. <laughs> All right, so so I want to go into one topic. I'm gonna go into one topic, and then I'm gonna drop. Uh, I'm gonna I'm go because uh, we have one other guy that came in, and I want to make sure I get him in. So Montreal, I'm gonna let, let you stay for this topic, and then I'm gonna bring in the other guy. Okay, is that cool? All right, all right, cool. Delano, I see you in the background. I'm gonna bring you in. I got you, bro. All right, so um, so I want to talk about this topic here, um, which is uh, let's start here, and I'm, I'll bring Delano in on the end of the conversation. Doctor Umar. So Dr. Umar, um, for those who don't know, Dr. Umar is somebody, you know, who's been out here in these streets, you know, quote unquote, fighting for the, depending on who you ask, fighting for the black community or stealing money, depending on who you ask him. Um, what are your thoughts on Dr. Umar? Uh, and I'll start with Byron Melvin. Hey, everybody, Byron Melvin, um, a uh, toxic Renault veteran. <laughs> yeah. But I can't hear you. I can't. I just say year. That's my. That's what I respond with. Yeah, my break. Okay, I got you. So, um, with Dr. Umar Johnson, um, the problem I don't feel like he's good for black people, and the reason I feel this way is because it seems like in all of his plans, he doesn't actually have a plan, a actual realistic plan for us going forward. Um, he kind of has this plan for us where there are only black people in society. Um, interacting with other blacks, and that's probably not going to be our reality in America anytime soon. Um, so, in order for him to be a realistic leader or a realistic leader for black people, his plan has to include us living in the nation with other races. I definitely agree. Um, I didn't want to. Oh, Rez is still muted. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and jump in if that's all right, Rez. 
exactly what I wanted. Yeah. Juan. Okay. So I'll start with this. Um, a good friend of mine said that Dr. Umar Johnson is a great researcher and a horrible visionary. And I couldn't agree more. Um, I watch a lot of Dr. Umar uh, interviews, um, uh, especially, you know, the one that stuck out the most is the one he did with, um, he did on TV one with uh, Roland Martin. And that panel, that was, <laughs> that was quite the interview. I've watched his Vlad's TV interviews. I've watched some of his speeches. I watched him go off on donors. Uh, I've watched pretty much every Breakfast Club interview. And what I gather is that he has a great mind. He has a great mind as far as researching, analyzing data, um, and he has great points. I fully agree on the school to prison pipeline piece. I fully agree on black boys being tested for special ed, uh, being given psychiatric medicine. I fully believe in that. I fully believe in teaching economic science versus just retail business, just, but completely teaching the entire spectrum of ownership, manufacturing raw materials. I completely believe in all of it. But then he goes off the rails. It's mm -hmm. like, you just start, great, it's perfect. Everything makes sense. And then there's this point where it's just like, what happened? How do we end up here? And I think that he gets in his own way a lot because first of all, his tone is not, his tone won't galvanize the black community. It won't galvanize at all. Because first of all, he doesn't believe in interracial marriages, which I think is completely crazy. I, I, I mean, I have great friends of mine that have done a lot of work, like on the Robert Martin uh, interview. Names were brought up like Julian Bond, Harry Belafonte, even his own blood relative, Frederick Douglass, and all being married to white women. And pretty much no matter what they did for the movement, their acts were null and void because of who they were married to. Mm. And I thought that was completely crazy. Um, and then let's not even get, we'll probably get into the whole school topic, but I watched one interview where, or not an interview, but he was pretty much going live and people were like, let's see the school. And then he blocked everybody. He just started blocking people. And I was like, you're just going to block people who are going to potentially donate, but then they want to see. And then he, he counts people's pockets. He's like, well, if, if Diddy is making this million, he should do this. Or Braun's making this, but they're actually doing something like Byron said. What's your game plan? Like, what's your what are your deliverables? Where are your action items? Because the people you're calling out are actually doing something. But I'll leave it there because I can talk to Umar all day. Uh, okay, uh, Montreal, I want to come to you. Uh, I I think he's a great uh, person in the, our community as far as being somebody that we can listen to and uh, but not follow. Uh, and what I mean by that is uh, he has great talking points. He's great at research. Uh, he definitely uh, has the ability and uh, the know-how to shine light on certain subjects and issues. But uh, that's about as far as it goes with me. Uh, I, I don't see where he has any practical uh, methods as far as getting the things done that he's always talking about and teaching um, without alienating uh, those who would like to contribute and, and help out and uh, have the, the know-how and the ability to get it done. Um, he, uh, it, it, we, as, as a black race, we've never been along on this, on this planet and we'll never, never will be. 
Uh, so we, uh, saying that, we're going to have to understand, uh, well, he's going to have to understand that there are, we, we, we have to learn how to work together. That's the only way uh, we can get a lot of these things done. Uh, there's no way of, of doing it singularly and just saying, okay, we're going to separate ourselves and totally, that, that's, that sounds good, but it's not realistic. Uh, thank you. Thank you for that, man. And like I said, I'm going to bring in another guy, Montreal. Thank you so much for joining us, bro. Stick around and please no come back next time. Thank you. Absolutely. We, we appreciate thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So All right. pull him and I'm going to bring in Andrew and then Sean, you can go ahead and, uh, and express how you feel about Dr. Umar. Man, I know why I was on this panel now. I'm, 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 I'm the militant in the group. Oh, um, go get him. <laughs> Now, it's not about go getting them, but first of all, man, let me give a shout out to my alpha brothers, Byron and Byron, um, A506. This is the way I look at um, Omar Johnson. Now, I'm not going to say that I agree with everything he says. Um, I think that he does uh, go off on the wrong end sometimes, especially like when the sister in the one video donated $10 and he said, oh, you should have gave me $20, but you probably couldn't afford that. And I'm like, Man, what, what, what's wrong with you, bro? But um, as somebody who's been involved in the movement before, um, we are very quick to crucify the people who do things for us. Like, to this day, if I go to a bar, somebody might remember something that I said or did back in 2016, a video that I might have did that went viral, and now they want to debate me. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm here in Chilling Grill. I just want to have a beer. I don't want to talk about politics. I don't want to have nothing. I had a hard day at work. I feel like relaxing. I don't want to talk about anything. Like, oh, you said something two or three years ago, and it got uh, it went viral, and I didn't like what you said. I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry that you didn't like it. You know, I said what I said. Live with it. You know, so we run into so many of our people. We want to crucify people who do things because we don't agree with it, but. This is what I always told people, even when I was running for office and things. I said, you don't have to believe everything that I tell you. You don't have to agree with everything that I tell you. But if you hear me say something, research it. And if you find some refuting information, you know what I'm saying? Bring it up. And if you find out that I lied about something, call me a liar. But when it comes to especially black issues, we're emotional about it. We get emotional about things. We, we're not going to research it. We're not going to find information that's going to refute what you're saying. We just know that we don't like what we just heard. So since we don't like what we just heard, we're going to fight it no matter how true it is. Now, does everything that Dr. Umar say is true? I don't believe so. There's a lot of things that I disagree with him on. But if you're going to have a problem with the man, make sure that you go back and research what the man said so you can crucify him then. Because that, that, that that's the real only way for there to be a a real intellectual discussion and understanding about anything that that's just my take i don't i don't have i don't have anything against dr umar my whole thing is before you crucify him make sure that you know for a fact that he's wrong that's all right all right uh andrew you just got in here let me let me get Andrew. get it. I, I see you byron Juan, i see you uh andrew go ahead say something too bro <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> can you uh can you ask the question? Uh the question really is what are your thoughts on Dr. Umar? That's I we really haven't gotten beyond that question. Oh, okay, cool. Sounds good. Um, I mean, I'm gonna go ahead and start off. I mean, I used to love Dr. Umar Johnson. Like, um, I used to like love him. I, I felt like he was saying a whole lot of things that was uh 
good and great for the black community, you know, um, and especially as a black man, you know, every time this brother was speaking, I was right there like cheering him on. But then I started like actually researching him, uh, like your boy Sean Middleton said. I actually started to do some some heavy research into uh, uh, some of his like older videos and and some things like that. And you know me, Rajon. I'm I'm one of those people that I always take it back to science. Can I yeah. prove it? Can I test it? Can I figure it out? All that good stuff. And one of the things about Umar that I, uh, Dr. Umar, that I couldn't shake was that you claim that you're coming from a scientific standpoint, but yet a lot of your stuff is pseudoscientific in nature and downright spiritual in others. Okay. Science and the spirituality just don't mix because mm -hmm. what will end up happening is, um, and you know this about me, Rajan, I ended up hating Dr. Umar for the same reason that I hate most religion. Because you take a snippet of science and you go, this explains all of this. And that just doesn't work. And uh, one of the things that, and, you know, when it came to uh, Dr. Umar was about race. And he was talking about the differences in race. And the reality of the situation is there is no difference in race. Now, I'm not saying there's not a difference in how races are treated. I'm not saying that there's not a difference in how races are accepted or whatever. But I'm saying... Like genetically speaking, we are all just humans. Like that's it. You know what I'm saying? But he actually believes that there's a difference in in us, like white, black, anything like that. Like that's a big part of where his argument against interracial marriages and things uh, come from. Is like there's an actual difference. Um, and then of course there's like the political aspect of it. And I'm like, couldn't a dude just like a girl? Couldn't a girl just like a guy? It doesn't, not everything is like a political standpoint. So while I do agree with some of the things that he says, uh, you know, ownership and black people, we need to, you know, get a firm hand on business and economics. Sorry, that's my cat. Um, I just can't get with him on, on some of that weird pseudoscientific stuff, you know? Okay. Um, and okay. I'm not one of those people who believes that everything is deep just because somebody says, I have a degree and I speak in a deep voice like a pastor. <laughs> no, like, you can still be dumb. Like, <laughs> You're funny. And, 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 and it is disputed whether or not he's actually a doctor. That's another thing. But, wait, uh, no. Uh, yeah. Really? Wait, well, yeah. Hey, yeah. Yeah. Hold on, wait. I got. I got to get. I got to get. I got to get John in. I got to get John in. No, 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 no. You got to explain that, Doctor Woman, on the doctor. Hold on, I John Singleton. I got to get him in because I got to bring in Delano. That's the worst thing to James out on Good Times, but I'm gonna mute my. Yeah, they're disputing his credentials. That's one of the reasons, also, why I stopped following him so heavily. And Byron, I promise I'm gonna be quick because it looked like you want to go in, brother. But. I want to know yeah, that. I, I was very heavily, you know, following him because he was saying a lot of good points, like your brother said, especially when it came to uh, our young black boys being, you know, diagnosed and then given drugs to suppress this quote unquote diagnosis instead of actually taking the time to find out why these young black boys are the way that they are. I think if he'd have stuck with that topic, and tried to drive that nail on only, I think that he would have got a lot further uh, along than what he is. But he started to go just left and right and bring in. So he tried to tackle too many things at once. He needed a specific thing 
to tackle. Um, and I think that's where he he kind of he he lost me and a lot of people uh, is because the true him really started to come out. Uh, mm. The reason why he will he will never be an effective leader, one that I will look up to as a black man, is because he lacks empathy and compassion. It, it's mm. it's almost like he lacks humanity to some degree. Now, yeah. his black people, yes, he loves us, but they're more than just us, right? I'm married to a black woman. I love my black woman, right? I don't think I can, I can't see me being married to anybody else, but I can't negate someone else who chose someone of another race to be married to and then turn around and say that they're wrong or belittle their decision in that, in that respect, you know, and just the way how he comes at certain people shows that he just lacks the necessary tools of leadership to get an entire people to follow him. Yes, Dr. King had his flaws, but he was humane in his efforts. Mm. He showed compassion not only for his people that he loved, but for people in general. You know, and that's why so many people could rally behind him um, and they didn't miss his 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 mark that he was trying to make. Uh, yes. Dr. Umar would never get that type of support. I'm sorry, especially not for me. But go ahead, Brian. No, but I, so I got I to gotta bring Delano in, John. I got to oh, drop you off, bro. But thank you for joining us, man. Listen, we got to bring you back. Y'all are on. Y'all are on on the first of July. Us. Yeah, yeah. Love Legacy Podcast is on on yes. on Real Talk with John first of July. So I look forward to getting a one on one with you guys, and maybe we can continue this this Dr. Umar conversation there, man. Thank I you, bro. Appreciate the time, bro. Hey, I appreciate it. Tell Eva I said hello. Yes, sir. All right. All right. All so right. I'm gonna take him out and bring Delano in because. I know he's been sitting in the background. He's ready to, to get in on this. My, my brother from another mother. You What's already know what time it is. You What's already know on? what time it is. I'm going to let him. I'm going to let you tee off right there. Dr. Umar, go. Fuck him. Ah! <laughs> um, in, in theory, um, he has said a lot of great things. Um, I'm not exactly with the pan-Africanism. Um, I'm not about to go back to Africa and start my own country, nothing like that. It's too much of our blood in this soil. We should own this. Um, he, he has said a lot of great things on a lot of great topics. He ain't got a lot of traction on none of them. Um, he's taken a lot of donations, opened the books, Um he does have a strong, deep past his voice. <laughs> um, but Dr. Umar is Dr. Umar, PhD, not MD. And um, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know. I know that um, his social media following and his YouTube presence has led a lot of people astray. So you can't come in and get these snippets and these snow bites from these social media videos, these YouTube clips, and they run with it like they got the knowledge. And I just <sighs> show me something. Right, show, yeah. show, show, show me something. He expressed a, a major concern about how our youth were treated in the school system. And, you know, what's crazy is Rajan also expressed a real life concern about how our youth were treated in the school system yeah. since we were kids. So yeah. he became a teacher and yeah. started mentoring youth. Yeah. Baby yeah. steps to get you there. 
I ain't seeing bro do nothing but talk and collect checks. Mm. Hey. Hey. Yeah, yeah. So, so I want I want to ask this because I I know you know this is a topic we can definitely go in on. Um, I want to ask this: Is the issue my issue with Doctor Umar one because because the only Doctor Umar video I ever tried to watch and it's crazy that this happened, but the only Doctor Umar video I ever watched was one night he was live on his thing and he was screaming at people about you know how how you know who he is and how they need to respect what he is and he was screaming on them and then he acted like he had somebody on his phone and then his <laughs> phone rang while he was acting like he was on the phone that told me everything i needed to know about dr umar johnson that day i that was the only live i've ever watched and it was it was literally on like i watched that one live i remember it and i was like this guy's this guy's a clown hey yo rajon send me that video can oh, I, can I, will. Can, can yes. I, can I say Sean. one thing? Go ahead, Sean. All right. One key point. One. Now, you know, Delano, man, you know, you my man, 100 grand, boy. I know you about 15 years. But here's my thing, 20. man. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I forget how old we are sometimes. <laughs> but, but, you know, um, one thing we as black people, we always want to see things. We always want to see things. Like, people are like, okay, Sean, we seen you on video a couple of times back in the day. But what did you really do? Mm. And a lot of things that I did can't be seen. Right. Um, I don't talk about the fact that I wrote three different pieces of legislation. I wrote about the things that are going on with the police right now. I wrote legislation about that five years ago. Um, as far as uh, education in North Charleston, nobody knows that me and my compadres, I wrote the legislation in order to get funding for us to get Garrett Academy, they were about to shut down for us to get $10 million a year in order to turn that into a trade school in order for black children to continue to get these jobs at Boeing and Volvo and all these companies that were coming down here when they were trying to shut um, Garrett down. They don't know about the legislation that we wrote about. Like we wrote legislative pieces that just never got out. Yeah, But we couldn't go on Facebook and other social media outlets and talk about it because there were people who would shut it down if they heard about it. Yeah. You know, so Sean, can I ask you a question? Let me just let me point two things out. There, there are two things that I see flawed in, in that narrative. First, we're not saying Dr. Umar can't do good deeds and not tell the world about doing good deeds. That's not the argument. Yeah, That's not the argument. The left hand needs not to know what the right hand is. That's completely fine. What we're saying, when, when the people that are saying, show me something, are the people who are questioning the almost $1 million that has been raised by him, $750,000. I'm saying that. We don't see where a school is. Now, he just got on the breakfast club, I think in February, <laughs> and uh, he got the building. And then I watch a video saying, oh, we got the HVAC guys here, but the HVAC bill is going to be crazy. And the electrician, I wish somebody would just drop a million. We're, that's what we're talking about. Well, bro, I people I have been donating to you. They've been donating to you, yet we've seen no result from the donation. Second. That's all I'm, that's all right. I'm saying. Right. I, I, I can understand that. Brother Middleton, I'm sure you weren't going around degrading whole groups of people while trying to reach this certain pinnacle in the movement. Right. Now, Not publicly. 
He'll trash anybody. Just like so the guy, so the guy who was on the Roland Martin interview called him a liar. As soon as he heard a liar, he called him a coon. Yeah, not to cut you off, brother. I saw that interview. That interview. Oh, let me let me turn this off because I'm supposed to be reading Torah right now. But hold on a second. All right. So anyway, I I, I read the Bible. Yes, you you do, bro. You gotta explain yourself, cook, bro. (laughs) Anyway, I saw that interview, and Roland Martin. That's our frat brother. Love him to death. But that was an all-out assault. And that 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 was that was a straight up. Uh, I don't even know what to call it. But I, I, that, that, that entire panel that he had, that was an assault mission on Dr. Umar right there. I, I had no respect. I had, I had no respect for that interview. I had no respect. If we're talking about the same interview, he basically lined up a panel of anti-Umar Johnson people, and they were lined up to attack him. And I think Umar did a very good job of representing himself in that interview. Because it was an all-out attack. That that's what it was. And I don't so, know if it was intentional, but it was really one-sided. I will say they they did not give him his time to speak. Is what I will. I think it's I problem. I believe that was intentional. You think it was intentional? That, that was very intentional. I, it that was, was very way, intentional. It was it was way too much. Yeah, it was way too much. And I understand everybody has different opinions. We can agree to disagree. Blah blah right. blah. Agree to good. All that. No man, they 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 went for his head. He's yeah, still he tall, though. Yeah. Yeah. He's still that, tall. That, that was a setup. That tall. was a setup. But can I, I say that maybe they went for his head because my man is always embroiling himself in nonsense. I mean, the, so home this, is, this is Deshaun. This is Deshaun, right? So, but you 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 had a question before, though, right? I did, and I'm a, I'm gonna lead into this. I'm gonna lead into my question. So and then we're gonna let Byron. Then we let Byron Melvin talk. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> so my my question to Sean is, or not my question, but I guess my thought. I uh, I had a friend not too long ago. We're not we're not friends anymore. But uh, I remember one day he was talking to me. He said, "You know, you don't uh, you don't do enough for the black community." He was like, "You know, you you opened up your studio and you know you're making good money and stuff, but you don't do enough for the black community. You know, and you married a white woman. You don't do enough for the for the black community, right?" And I said, "Okay, I can understand why you would say that." But what do you mean not do enough for the black community? He was talking about how uh, how I don't go into the hoods and I don't do this and I don't do that, right? And like I told a brother, I said, okay, but see, here's my thing. I don't think the black story starts in the hood. Mm. So what I do is I like to go to the hoods and find the kids who have talent, and then I like to bring them to my studio, and then I like to say, you could do this. And then I like to take them to five-star restaurants and say, you could eat here. And then I like to take them to competitions all over the world and go, you can perform here. And then I like to teach them how to teach others so that they can go and they can make their own money. And when I told him all that, he went, oh, well, dang, I'm, I, I guess I was wrong. And I said, you were. That's why you should shut up sometimes. What I'm saying when it comes to Dr. Umar is this. He probably talks about how um, you know, he's doing this and he's doing that. And all I'm asking for is, brother, let me see the receipts. Because yeah. if you were to take somebody like me, I have, Rajon can tell you, I have student after student after student after student after student. And not not all of them are still, you know, performing and tumbling, but all of them have the capability of teaching. And all of them 
are out there and all of them are getting well known in their fields. You get what I'm saying? So my my ability to to help, you know, my community, I'm teaching others how to do what I do so that they can go in these white spaces and command as much money as they want to. Does that make sense? Yeah. And with I mean, tomorrow, that's what I, you're supposed to do. Yeah. If it's truly a leader, you have disciples. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, uh, and taking it biblical, I know you don't like believe in Bible, but the job of the prophet is to show the disciples how to become prophets. And, 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 and that's, essentially, that's essentially what you're doing. And, and that's all good. But one thing that we as a people, we always want to see and hear everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, in 2015, we tried to take over the entire North Charleston. We tried to pretty much oust the government and create a new government, like what they did in 1776, except for North Charleston. Nullification but, movement. Nullification movement. Nullification. That that that's I created that. Um, but you cannot do a nullification movement and be on Facebook talking about. The nullification movement. That's the point I'm making. You you can't you cannot do that. Sean, Sean, you had traction, brother. You had traction. Like we I I don't everybody else didn't see as much as I saw. Like I seen you two, three days without sleep, still researching, still writing, still typing. You know what I mean? But you had traction. The people who don't know you personally, they saw you at the city council meetings. Yeah, I, I remember you pulled up to the poetry show. You know what I mean? Like you legit had traction. Yeah. Now you might not have attained your goal, but you did something. There, there are receipts. I, I attained. I'm gonna tell you, evidence. I attained my evidence. goal when them kids went downtown. Yeah. Umar Johnson and about downtown up. My goal was attained. <laughs> my goal was attained when they so, did that shit. So, 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 so I want to let Byron get his topic, get his point in on this. Byron Melvin, because he's been so patient um, on this topic, and I noticed it's something he wanted to talk about. I'm gonna give a final thought, and then we're gonna move on. We're gonna spend about ten minutes on the final topic because I don't want to go too far over time, and we're already past our time. So, Byron Melvin. Thoughts on, on Umar Johnson. Your 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 part and thoughts on Umar Johnson. Uh, final thoughts on Umar Johnson. Um I of course I've heard the praise for Umar Johnson as a I guess as a thought leader and not necessarily as a leader. Um I don't even trust his his thought leadership. And I'm sorry if it's loud in the background, I'm at a cookout. Um I don't even trust his thought leadership um because he doesn't have a plan for all black people. He has a hey. plan for specific black people. Black people who are not gay, black people who are not trans, black people who are not married to anyone outside of our race. And That's for those right. reasons, I don't trust our Dr. Umar Johnson. Uh, okay, cool. Very, very, I complete and I complete brother Mel. We're not a monolith, man. We, like we're, we're not. We're not. There's We're a whole section. You gotta include everybody. Absolutely. And I, I, I absolutely agree with that with that point. Um, I, I want to make this final point, then I'm gonna move off the Dr. Umar topic. Um no, you don't need receipts for everything. Um, you don't need receipts for everything, you don't have to say everything that you're doing. But if I'm telling you on social media and I'm telling you on the Breakfast Club, and I'm telling you on all these different networks that I'm doing one thing, then that one thing. I better be willing to tell you the updates and the progress on where we are on that thing. I can't tell you I'm raising money for Distinguished Gentlemen's Club 
but y'all never actually see me working with kids. You never actually okay. see me in a Ooh. building with with the stuff that we have there. You don't see us out here doing things. You don't see us taking these kids on trips. So like if I say, oh, we're raising money for our trip to Washington, D.C., and y'all donate $10,000, dollars you're gonna look, wanna see some kids walking around some monuments. Boom. That's right. You're gonna wanna Boom. see that. I, I can't tell you five years from now. Oh, we almost in Washington, D.C., y'all. We almost there. We we close. Just send me another ten thousand dollars because we just realized that a bus is gonna cost more than we thought it was gonna cost. No, you told us five years ago you was taking some kids to DC this summer. So you so so that that excuse to me. Knowing the work that we do and knowing the work that you guys do as well, collectively in your communities, know everything that we do, shoot for everything. You know, people talk about, you know, what I put on Facebook. For every one thing I put on Facebook, there's 10 things that I'm working on that y'all know nothing about. That's right. <laughs> but the thing hey, that I'm hey. putting out there and I'm asking for support on, I will give you updates. I will tell you where we are. And that's, we got to hold ourselves accountable in that way. And that's my only issue with Dr. Umar. And I'm going to leave Dr. Umar there. We're going to discontinue that discussion. I love y'all. We can inbox right. each other later about this. Or we can, can, I say one, can I say one thing, Rajon? No, thing, one Sean! Thing. No, <laughs> one thing, one thing. Probably, it's quick, it's quick, it's quick, it's quick. Right. It's very quick. Right. Hey, Andrew, Andrew, bump yes. the rest of y'all. You take a catch to five-star restaurants? Hey, hey. <laughs> I mean, hey, I ain't been the one in a long time. Hey, if you want to take somebody, I'll go. I'll go. Hey, take my brush, let's go. Man. Let's go to Hall's take, restaurant. Hey, let's hey, go to Hall's word, word. Hey, call me. You Hall's next in though. Call me. Hall's next in, not Hall's downtown. Hall's downtown got a bad name right now. Only That's Hall's right. next in. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So let's move on to our final topic of the evening. Um, again, this is toxic or not. For those who are your first time experiencing this, what this show is is. We have so many topics about black men that do not involve black men as a part of the conversation. And I wanted to have an opportunity to have a space where black men could come in and express their thoughts on issues. The main issue that I care about us having a, a, a role in is the, the, the conversation surrounding toxic masculinity. Um, and, and that conversation, for all, with all due respect to white women, I love y'all, y'all are dope. But y'all don't own that conversation. If we're going to talk about masculinity, the men should be having a conversation about masculinity and how it works. All right. Go with that being board. said, all right. With that being said, um, and somebody's probably going to try to use that one day down the road, but I'm all good. Um, all right. So infantilizing black men. All right. So let's talk about the black culture, right? We talk about black culture. Um, you know, I, I was mentioning earlier with, you know, with the song saying we had a discussion earlier about black men as husbands. Um, Black culture, and of course, we're not talking about the wokes and you know all the people who are who are who are newly, you know, revitalized mentally and, and are leading the struggle. And no, I'm talking about general consensus, right? Um, and of course, we are not a monolith, but we're talking about this in a bubble. All right. Um, does black culture, black popular popular culture, let's say black popular culture, infantilize black men? Um, this 100%. is a topic. Does this is a topic that Byron Melvin brought to the brought to the show. So I went Byron Melvin to lead it off because I know this is something he really cares a lot about. Go ahead, bro. All right. Um, so I'll lead it off with infantilizing for anyone who's not familiar with the uh, term or even like the syndrome. Infantilizing means to treat someone as if they are a child, even though they have the maturity and the mental capacity of an adult. Um a good example of this, and I know this is fiction, but it, we've all experienced it in real life as well. Uh, think about the movie Baby Boy. Yep. Um, the actual yep. message behind the movie Baby Boy. Um, how many times have you seen 
or you've been adjacent to some black man who is constantly being treated as a child by everyone around them, being coddled, um, being given special treatment. Uh, everyone has to have warnings to go around him. Um, mm -hmm. Like, for example, like, you know, why did you go over there at two o'clock in the morning? You knew it was going to happen. Like mm -hmm. the same sort of the same sort of warnings you would give someone that's going around a puppy or a, a baby, uh, for example. Um, yeah. And like, these are the things I feel like are ultimately stifling our maturity as black men. There are a ton of conversations that we need to have, but because our community and our culture huddles around us because they know how the greater society treats us and will treat us, if we're caught making a mistake inside of the black community, if we ever make a mistake or do something that's wrong, instead of us being chastised for it, um, we're basically almost hugged and it's like, you didn't know any better. Mm. And told like, go in the corner while we take care of everything else for you. And we don't expect the same thing from black women. Usually when, I'll give even another example, uh, recently with J. Cole and No Name, where mm. J. Cole was kind of accusing No Name of being too smart, too woke, and to check her tone, and that he's just, he's just hoping to be educated. You know, when do we ever, when, when will we ever accept if a black woman says, I just want to be educated, that we mm. actually, so, there's some good examples of infantilization, and that's my opinion of. All right, no, hey, I, hey, I completely, ahead, I didn't mean to step on any 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 toes. Anybody who's trying to talk, but no, I completely agree because um, I've heard one one guy I look up to and said a lot of times black men are overmothered and underfathered. Mm. Um, and Ooh. when he said that, he meant no disrespect to mothers and no disrespect to fathers. Shout out to the women. What we do is we nurture even the wrongdoings. Of black yeah. we nurture even there's no reason why, like Byron said, that we should have to warn someone about being physically abused, while we should have to warn someone about being assaulted, being cursed at, we should have to warn someone about behavior that should have been nipped in the I have two sons, seven and four, and there is no way that I'm going to allow my sons to treat people the way that I've seen some men treat people and I'm not standing the gap or I, oh, you know what? Well, kudos for not knocking them out. You cursed them out and, 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 and you talk trash about their family, but kudos for not knocking Nah, there's a certain way you respond. And like, like Byron said, there are a lot of times we don't expect the same thing from black women. Black women can make one mistake and we're like, oh man, hey, she tripping. She tripping or that's the angry black woman or whatever it is. We can snap and spaz and say whatever and be like, well, you know, the black man struggle, the black man struggle. Stop coddling us. Stop coddling us. We grown men. We way past our formative years. I am 31 years old. I'll be 32 in November and I'll be doggone if I keep making the same mistakes I made five years ago, two That's years right. ago. It's a learning thing. It's a learning thing. And I will say this and I'm going to end my point. Infantilizing doesn't just stop with black men. I've seen it happen with white men. I've seen it happen with white boys as I came up. But the difference is, if we don't start preparing us for the world because of what we look like, we're going to be in for it mm. compared to our counterparts. So Absolutely. we start training us up right now. Delano. Yeah. What you got? When I saw the topic, 
I wondered who were they talking about. Like, I understand the examples that Byron and Byron have given. Byron and Byron. I ain't never seen it. Personally, I've never seen it. Um, I don't even know anybody who's over-mothered and under-fathered. Like, most of the people I grew up around, our mothers were struggling and we didn't have fathers. I have four sons. My baby boy is soon to be 12 years old. He's adult-sized. I have three teenage sons. One just graduated high school, one about to graduate high school. My 18-year-old son is prepared to go out in the world. He's looking forward to going to college. We have real conversations. From the time you can tie your own shoes and wipe your own ass, I hold you accountable. I've never Googled and got God with my sons. I never allowed their mothers to. Because the world will not Google and God God with you. I don't know anybody who's been infantilized. I don't. Like, we came up and we had to take care of ourselves. Mm. And we've always been held to a higher standard. Now, I know globally, the black woman's usually the matriarch, she's the foundation, and, you know, but some of us didn't have that. Some of us were held accountable. Some of us had to get our young assemblies ready for school. Some of us had to cook our own meals. You know what I mean? Like you said earlier, we're not a monolith. Not, yeah. Now, if that's a real problem, I don't know where. Hmm. Honestly, personally, hmm. I don't hmm. know where. I, I don't see I don't see black men being coddled. Hmm. I don't. Every now and again, you feel smooth talking nigga, and then they find lines between niggas and black men. But every now and again, you will see a smooth talking nigga get caught on by a weak woman. But mm -hmm. just like on real scale, I don't often see black men being coddled. My mother, oftentimes, even to this day, says to me, if I come to my mom and I go to vent, or complain about any situation I'm in, my mother says, and I quote, your name man, Anna. Uh. And all I hear is you all I hear is bruh, you sound like a bitch. That's what it that's what it comes off to me. Like bro, I pull your skirt down. That's what it sounds like. My mom said, Your man, your name man, Anna. Mm. Dirty or clean ain't no helping hands coming out to most of us. We get it ourselves. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, I'm I'm pretty sure that is an issue somewhere, but I've been in and out of North Charleston and the Low Country my entire life. It's not something I see on a daily basis or on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. I mean, I yeah. notice nowadays a lot of a lot of single moms nowadays with their younger children, they will coddle them, so they don't end up like the man that left them or the man around the corner or their big brother or the uncle or the cousin who's locked up or doing whatever. But at the same time, how do you protect the kids from the same thing that they do? Yeah. You good, brother. Um, and I'm working on Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. We got feedback. We got feedback. Byron, you got headphones? Who, me? Yeah. Hold on. You don't, I don't have it now. I don't have it now. Give me one second, Byron. I'll, let me let let me let Sean and Andrew get in. Then we'll we'll come back around. But I don't want I don't want to. Yeah. Can I can I jump in, Rajon? All right. So yeah, we go to Andrew and Sean. That's fine. All right. Cool. So uh, and and this is to uh, uh, brother uh, Delano. So 
Yeah, I, you know, I, I agree with you. I don't think that it's a problem maybe with a lot of people, but I will say that I've definitely seen it as a problem in my, my own family, right? Um, I got a 40-some-odd-year-old uncle who got two kids and one on the way, and my grandma, I, I love my grandma to death, but my grandma literally will still wipe his ass if she let him, you know? Does he have a substance abuse problem? Right. <laughs> uh, I I mean, but it, it's true, right? Um, you know, he he literally goes to her and is like, "Mama, Mama, help me do this," you know. And it's like, "Bruh," you know what I'm saying? Wow. And um, oh, man, so, so I've seen it. Now in my family, I had it. I had it coming from both ways. I had a mother who, by the time I turned 12 years old, 13 years old, my mom was kicking me out, saying, "You got to go out there and find your own path. I can't really help you." But then again, my grandmother, I mean, I was 20 years old and I, I, you know, kind of fell into some hard times. And I was like, yo, Nana, can I, you know, you know, you know, sleep on your couch for a couple of weeks till I get on my feet. And I mean, I'm 20 years old. Like, yo, Nana, I'm going to a friend's house today. You cannot go anywhere. Whoa, Nana, I'm 20 years old. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, and so th it is a problem in some of our communities where you do see this like strange thing where it's almost like they want to keep us so close, you know? And, um, you know, like I tell people all the time, especially in my family, I've seen it over and over again, where it's almost like they don't want the men to leave. And it's like, well, I understand. I don't understand because how can I, how can I make our family great if I'm not out there in the world? How can I go out there and make my own name great? How can I go out there and, and get for me and mine if y'all don't even allow us to leave? And so I understand that you're saying you don't see it as a problem. I'm just saying that not only do I see it as a problem in my own family, I see it like today. But I definitely understand where you're coming from. Okay. Because I'm, like I said, my mom is the same way with your mom. I can't go and complain about anything because <laughs> I literally heard that phrase before. Like, you in it, like, I, you know. right. but uh, to, to circle back around real fast, um, and and uh, I guess Sean dropped out, so uh, Juan, if you don't mind, oh, one thing I wanted, I wanted to add just real quick, um, like it goes beyond just the treatment of being treated like a child, it's almost like Juan was saying, not being held accountable for your actions. Um, if you hit a woman. You know, are you held accountable for your actions? Like, a woman hits you and you hit her back. Are you held accountable for your actions? You usually told, like, oh, she hit you first. So now you're no longer accountable for that. If you sexually assault a woman and when she came over late, are you, are you held accountable for that? If you don't take care of your child as a man, are you held accountable for that? For that, that one. So that's kind of what I'm also getting at. So I'm well, that okay. okay. Well, I would say this. I think Sean was supposed to. I, Sean been holding. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Can I get a little Sean. piece in there, dog? Yeah, yeah, Sean. I, I, don't know know. Later, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but but he did bring up something really good that wasn't considered, you know, about accountability because I see a lot of cats out here. I take care of all my kids. are like, oh, shout out to you. Like, that's what you're supposed to do, punk. Anyway. But but anyway, man, but we need to revisit what Byron just said because what you just said was key. But I'm on the same um, wavelength as Delano. You know what I'm saying? I had a deadbeat dad. 
that lived in Atlanta and I'm here in Charleston, but I got an older brother that's autistic. So my brother Corey was two years older than me, right? So from day one, I'm a father. I'm, anything that Corey did, he's my older brother. He can beat me up all. I can't, I cannot physically beat him because he's two years older than me. And I don't know if y'all got older siblings, but two years is a big difference. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's a huge difference. He literally ruled my life until I hit that growth spurt when I was 15. So, but I'm getting blamed for everything that he does. So I'm basically raising my bully. You know what I'm saying? So wow. that's heavy. That's heavy. Yeah, because my father's uninvolved. He's paying two hundred dollars a month in child support, hundred for each child. Which y'all know that that ain't nothing. I don't right. care if it's eighty four, eighty five. That wasn't nothing. So okay, I'm a kid. I'm basically raising my older brother. I have to be the man of the house because it's just a woman and my whole life. My brother passed away, unfortunately, about four years, five years ago when I was 31, 32. But even after I moved away, I was in college. When I started my career, I had to send money back home. I'm still taking care of my brother. My father's not helping. After child support saying, you don't have to do anything after he 18 years old, my father dropped out. So... I'm taking care of my brother my entire life. So I don't know anything about this. Um, what, what do y'all call the subject? Uh, what do you call it? I don't know anything about that because it, my earliest memories, three, four, five, six, seven years old, I'm a father. And so I, I, I talked to my mother about this today. My mother asked me, she said, why did you always deal with women who had children? And I said, because when my brother was alive, you know, I didn't know how long he was going to be around. So I I knew automatically, even though I don't have kids to this day, but I knew even back then I have a kid. So I have to be open to women that have kids because their kids are going to grow up. My kid is never going to grow up. Hmm. Even if I'm wow. 99 years old, I still got this kid. So when they talk about black men being um, infantilized, I, I, I do not understand that. Well, well Sean and Delano, I got I just had one last question. Cup. Sean Delano, do you think, though, that it's more about your individual character and the character around you versus the fact that there's no infantilizing of black men? I know y'all say y'all don't see it, but I can count on one hand plus maybe one more of men right now. <laughs> right now in their 30s, being treated as though they were children. So I just wonder if it's more about the character versus the truth behind what we're talking so, about. Can I, can I chime in? Oh, can sorry. I chime in right there? So so I think I think what's going on is we're having two different discussions at the same time. Um, I think when you talk about the terms of infantilizing black men, we're forced to grow up pretty quickly. Um, we're we're forced to understand the world in a way that most people are not expected to like we're expected to, to be able to code switch and 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 take care of things that we're not exposed to like I remember like Delano knows like getting a job and you know being able to take care of certain things at the house and making sure that you know that the house don't burn down because you have, might have to cook dinner and like th these are things that we under we have to understand early so in that way no we're not infantilized in that way However, when you speak about accountability, that piece there is a totally different thing when you're talking about that's the part that is baby-like. That's child-like. I, I agree with that. Like, yeah, like I agree, I agree if, if that, you yeah. mess up, like, 
I can't. Those of us in the field of education can tell you the amount of times that a parent will come in and say, "Well, my child, how's my child supposed to know that? He's supposed to know that because I taught it in class." Right. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like, but 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 that's that's something that that we as a culture have. So I think that that in, in two different in two different spectrums, and because I I know like I know your kids like your kids are my nephews, Delano. So I know like when we talk about and, and we grew up together together. So like. In that way, no, we were not. And but we also know that we've had friends that still yeah. refuse to accept accountability yeah. for anything yeah. that yeah. they yeah. do. Right. At, yeah. at 38, 40 years old. I know 40, 50 year old yeah. men that still ain't never made a mistake in their life, quote unquote. Everything that yeah. happened was somebody else's fault. That's right. Yes, that's that's the 100%. other part. That's the other side of it. Delano. 100 percent Now from that aspect, the accountability aspect, oh my God. The same way Andrew said he got the uncle to still live with his grandmama. That's right. That, 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 that is wide. That is widespread through. Oh like uh, uh, Byron, like Byron Melvin said, right? Um, especially when it comes to sexual assault, for whatever reason, it, it's no accountability whatsoever, for the most part. Like everybody had an uncle or a cousin is oh why you leave them cheering around him you knew better. Right. No, why we ain't why wow. you ain't castrate him for touching them kids. That's right. Yeah. That girl yeah, decided know. she want she came to your house at two o'clock in the morning, she decided she wanted to lay down and you ain't supposed to touch her. I had an experience with a young lady that I dealt with years ago. Right? We kicking it. We go to a car party. My homegirl's a bartender. You know, we go, we play cards. We eat food. We have a good time. I'm telling her, don't drink that punch. Mm. Don't drink that punch. She's like, well, it tastes good. I'm like, you said I brought this case of being here with me? I'm not drinking that punch. Mm. When, if they, they say we're doing shots, I'm drinking this straight Hennessy that I brought with me. I'm not drinking that punch. Because I know what's in it. I'm telling her, don't drink it. Man, she goes in. Tasting like Kool-Aid, right? So she goes in. She get blasted. You gotta leave her car there. I get her home. I get her in the house. I get upstairs. I get her in bed. She try to undress. It ain't really work out. I'm a big guy. Got a brand new t-shirt on. I put my t-shirt on her. You know, get her in bed. She kind of half heaving and going through it. She's sick. She's drunk. You know, I kind of nurse her through. I nod off. We wake up the next morning and she's like, well, did we do anything? I'm like, no, we didn't do nothing. You was drunk. She's like, well, you know, my ex-boyfriend, you know, sometimes I'd be drunk with him. I'm like, that's rape. That's rape. That's yeah. right. That is yeah. rape. Okay. She, you know, first time it happened, you know, I kind of felt some kind of way, but we were together, you know, no, 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 no. That's rape. I don't care if you married. That, that's rape. That's right. Don't let, don't let somebody tell you, well, you my woman, so I got a right to do. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. So when that's expensive, there's a lot of accountability. It's like, even like Rajon said as a teacher, and I remember being in elementary school, middle school, whatever, you know, and folks get in trouble. And they go get their mama, and their mama come up to the school and raise all kind of hell. Mm -hmm. You know, damn well your son, your son did all that shit. Hundred percent wrong. <laughs> they come home with the what a teacher don't like me. <laughs> my 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 middle son told me once, my junior, he told me once, what a teacher don't like me. I said he would if your grades were better. I know that. <laughs> he would if you were quiet. He would. If you just yeah. sat still and paid attention, teacher love you. Yeah, that's right. Not so much about you know, 
And he 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 didn't get it at them, but he got it now. And I, and I noticed that. Like, there's a lot of people who do not get held accountable. When y'all say, when Rajon said 30, 40, ain't never made a mistake in their life. Ain't never. Never. I know some brothers who point you everybody had that friend back in the day that got in trouble and said, Well, man, you know, they over there do what so so did it. Oh no, brother. Yeah. Yeah. This is you. I've been preaching I've been preaching this to my children since since they got understand English, man. Like, whatever the problem is, whatever the issue is, if you get to the root, it's you. If you were in the wrong place at the wrong time, you had the wrong affiliations, wrong associations, it's you. So check you. So you can't. With the problem, I think the problem with that is if we're not held accountable across the board for everything, you grow up and be toxic. Yes. Like you legit become problematic. Yes. Because you never had a chance to deal with the consequences of your actions, so you didn't have the hurt, and you don't have the heal from your hurt, so you just hurt everybody else in the progress. Yeah. It's crazy. Facts. Facts. Shout out to Byron Mill. The topic makes sense. Good job, Byron. That's my guy. That's my guy. So this, so I want to go ahead and wrap because it is now 917, which is like 20 minutes past when I wanted to be on. But that's okay. That's okay because we're having meaningful discussions. Um, there's a few things that came up in the in the, the course of this discussion that I do want to dive deeper into next time we have Toxic or Not, which will be, I'll go ahead and put that date out there, um, the third Saturday in July, which will be, uh, sorry, the 18th. So the 18th of, of um, July, we're going to have the next episode of Toxic or Nah. Um, and there's some stuff that I definitely want to touch on um, to talk talk about rape culture in the in the black community. I definitely want to oh, wow. talk about that. I want to talk, talk about, about that. that uncle who live in the room and, and at, at Grandma Miles. We going to talk about Grandma Miles. No, we gonna we talk gonna, about that because I'm going to talk about that. We're going to talk about we're going to talk about sexual abuse in the black community. Um, we're going to talk about a lot of things that we need to that like that, that black men need to chime in on. Period. So, um, so that so July eighteenth. Please tune back in. We're gonna be going in before I before I do before I go to, go to my part in thoughts. Though I want to give, we just went away. <laughs> oh, he's gonna come back. I want to give you guys an opportunity to give some final thoughts on tonight's episode and just just your thoughts. Um, I'll start with Byron Melvin. Oh, by the way, please keep it under uh, two minutes. Thank you. Yeah, I, I didn't think I was in first. Um. I'll actually let Byron Ray go. Uh, Byron Ray go first, and I'll circle back to me. Byron Ray stepped away, so you're what? gonna have to. Byron Ray, because you go and then circle back to me. All right, so go ahead, Andrew. Okay, so just I mean, my final thoughts on, on everything. I mean, I do believe that it's a problem in my community. I can't tell you why it's a problem. I, I don't know why it's a problem. But I can't tell you just from my personal experiences, I've seen it. And I think we need to have a lot more conversations like this because, uh, like you brothers are saying, we got to start with these brothers accountable. We, yeah. like, we have to. You know, I mean, I, I don't know about raising their kids. They just do it. But I have seen that in the past. Like, oh, I just get more evidence. And it's like, that's your job. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm not going to applaud a fish for swimming. You know, and I think conversations like these are just super important. And uh, I love the fact that you invite me to be a part of this because I think it's things like this that will will change our community for the better. You know, Absolutely. the president Absolutely. can get to where we're trying to go. But things like this definitely can, my man. So thank you for inviting me to be a part of this. And I'm going to definitely holler at y'all later. I love bro. I appreciate you. Thank you, Andrew. All right, we'll go to Byron Melvin. Okay. All right. Um. 
to everyone listening, uh, whether that be man or woman, uh, if you have a black man in your life, allow them. I understand we do have to grow up early. Um, we grow up uh, by, as far as experience early, but as far as maturity, we're always late. Um, allow us the maturity, allow us to make mistakes and allow us to deal with the consequences of those, those mistakes. Um, I understand that it's tempting to coddle us because you know how to grow in society, this country, um, and maybe even the greater uh, world is going to treat us, but still allow us to growth so we can be better for you. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Thank you, bro. Thank you, bro. Um, uh, let's go, Sean and then Delano. I'm not on mute. Okay, uh, man, it's final thoughts on this uh, final topic. Uh, just any topic that we talked about tonight is fine. Um, you know, pretty much. Um, just hold people accountable. You know, um, I'll I'll always go back to my dad, man, because I I always. Unlike most people, you look to your dad as someone that you should be like and, and, and want to emulate. But I try to do the opposite things of my dad. I, I try to be the opposite. And I look at his mother. And like when you talk about coddling, his mother coddled him. So no matter what wrong he did, his mom always had his back. You know what I'm saying? So um, it's not so much the black men in our community that do bad. It's a lot of the grandmothers that support them in doing bad. So if you are a mother and you don't like the way that the father of your children did you, hold your sons accountable the way that their mothers didn't hold the fathers of your son accountable. Don't, don't, don't allow your son to be a deadbeat if you're angry at his father for being a deadbeat. That's, that's where I'm going to leave it at. All right. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Sean. I, you know, I love you. I appreciate you, bro. Um, and hopefully you'll be back next week because you, you or next month because you, you, you're, you're a veteran. You're a, you're a returning guest and you, you bring <laughs> something really great to the discussion every single time. And I appreciate that. Uh, all right, man. Cap. You know, all love. I ain't got it, boss. <laughs> I actually, uh, I swear to God, infantilized. The first time I heard it, that word ever was when I got the email about the topic. I'm like, what is that? And I'm yeah. like, and listen to him spring his definition of it. Um, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, I will say this, that you can't hold anybody else accountable if you hold yourself accountable. Yeah. Accountability starts in the mirror. And I appreciate the opportunity, man. You know? Yep. I'm, 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 I'm going to check my schedule. And if I'm free, I'm going to sign up next month, man. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh Happy Father's Day to you, my brother. Father's I know Day. I can see you tomorrow. No, you will not. Peace, love, and blessings to everybody that's listening. That's all I got. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. And with that being said, I'm going to close the show. Oh, before I close the show, let me get my part in thoughts. So tonight we talked about several several topics um, that, that are all very, very important, very, very key to the growth and building of our community. Um, 
Like it's 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 so important that black men are having these discussions. Um, it's important that our voices are heard. It's important that our voices are respected, and it's important that it's understood that we have something meaningful to say on these topics. Um, for a very long time, you know, people have been able to to commandeer our discussions and and to infiltrate our discussions and and have them without us. And I want to make sure that black men have a place to speak, have a place to disagree, and have a place to vent. This is important that we have this in a respectful and a, um, a real way. So I, I thank every person who came on here tonight. And I want to end it with these thoughts, with these words. Black men. Of course, I love everybody. But right now I'm talking to black men. So I hope y'all are listening for those who are listening. Black men, I value you. I appreciate you. And I love you. And I'm not saying that in any weird way. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. because. Until we can say that we love each other, it's going to be hard for us to show that we truly love each other. I tell my son that I love him. I tell my friends, I tell my brothers that I love them because I want them to know and I don't want them to have, ever have to wonder about me. And until we can tell each other that we love each other and mean it, we never be able to make the change that we wish to see in the world. With that being said, let's end the show. Thank you all so much for watching this week. This has been Toxic or Nah, man. This has been something that I've 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 taken pride in building. Um, I'm hoping to continue to build in the years going forward. Um, and to have these discussions, it's important that we have them. Um, this and all my shows, in addition to the Car Chronicle series, is now is now available. Will be available for your listening pleasure via Google, Apple, Spotify, and any place you can find podcasts. You can also find it on my website. That's www.realtalkrajan.com. If you'd like to be made aware of when I go live, because sometimes it is unscheduled, please be sure to click the follow or subscribe tab on the page and turn on the notifications so that you will know when something new has been posted to the page. In the meantime, please follow me on social media to stay up to date with, on, with what's happening on Real Talk. Anywhere you look, Real Talk with Rajan, and I'm there. Please follow me on YouTube. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'm pretty dope. Feel free to leave comments, questions, or whatever else you'd like to say in the comment section or the message section. I love reading your message and giving your feedback, even if it's negative. If you watch this show and you disagree with everything we said, that's okay. That is okay. I'm, I'm willing to listen to you say that. I'm willing to, to hear that you disagree with everything I said. But tell me why. Allow me to grow. Allow me to get better. If your discussion is surrounding the fact that you don't think black men should be talking about this stuff, then you should probably keep that comment to yourself. I am currently accepting um, invitations for speaking engagements and event hosting opportunities. If you'd like for me to speak at a host your event, you can request me via my website. That's www.realtalkrajan.com. In closing, always remember that God is everything and without him, we are nothing. So never forget where your help comes from. And if a man doesn't stand for something, he's bound to fall for anything. Now that's real talk. Thank y'all for watching. Thank all my panelists for being on here. Thank you for your time. I love you. See you next week. Peace.